Let me know when the recording has begun. The recording has begun. Okay. I have 5.31 p.m. Chair Schmidt, do you want to introduce the meeting or would you like me to? I will um, ask if you could do that. Chair. Okay. This is the complaint committee of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force, City and County of San Francisco. We are in hearing room 408 at City Hall, doc, 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, San Francisco. Uh, this is a regular meeting of the, of the uh, complaint committee. I will now read remote access and in-person participation. The Sunshine Ordinance Task Force and its committees convene hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance in-person public comment, remote access for petitioners and respondents, and remote public comment via teleconference, that is via WebEx. Uh, the WebEx remote link login is uh, tinyurl.com forward slash for WNA9ZA7. The password is sunshine. The telephone call-in number is 415-655-0001. The meeting ID is 2599-995-7043, pound, pound. To enter the speaker line, press star three. Meeting decorum. Any member of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force may call for decorum due to the disorderly conduct of meeting participants. <coughs> Excuse me, persons who engage in threatening and are menacing behavior may be asked to leave. Uh, shall we begin with uh, item number one? I, yes, let's do that. Thank you. Item number one, call to order, roll call, and agenda changes. Roll call. Member Sugarman? Not present. Member Stein? Present. Member Stein present. Chair Schmidt? Present. Chair Schmidt present. We have a quorum. Excuse me. Um, are the committee members aware of any agenda changes that uh, we need to discuss? I don't know of any myself. Nor do I. All right. All right. We, Although we may have, we may abbreviate the last item just because our third member, uh, I'd like to have, um, member Sugarman, uh, involved in the last item at some point. That's all. all right. We'll still go ahead and, um at least do some of it. We ready for item two? Yes, please. Item number two, approval of the September 19, 2023 complaint committee meeting minutes. I have a copy of the minutes. Do we have any uh, changes or adjustments? Um, I have a couple small changes, just smaller. Sure. Okay, um, so page three, item four, line eight. Page three. <clears throat> I'm four. Okay. Line eight. Uh, when uh, Leanne non speaks. Uh, no, it's just uh, the second paragraph, fourth line down. Fourth line request for which he believes is the reason. Yeah. Okay. So it says Mr. Neha stated that all communication were exempt. I think just to be really clear, I think it should said Mr. Neha was told that all communication were exempt. Because I don't think he believes all communication was exempt. Hmm. Okay. And then um, page six, item eight. Excuse me. Um, is that page six? Yeah. Page six, item eight. Uh, 
line nine. And again, just to be clear, I think it should say the last line starts the inspection directly affects the habitability of the residents. I think it should say something like um, directly affects the residents understanding of the habitability of the building. So, the inspection directly affects the residents understanding. Of the habitability of the building. And that, those are my only changes. <laughs> and there was something else you said? That was my only changes, those okay. two changes. Yeah. <laughs> Chair Schmidt, did you have any suggestions? I had no suggestions. I will move to approve with the uh, edits just recounted. I'll second that. Shall we move to public comment? Yes, please. Okay. If, if you'd like to make public comment, this is the time right now on item one regarding the action to approve the suggested amendments on the uh, September 19 complaint committee meeting minutes. Um, uh, Ms. Cabrero, is, are there any pe people who want to speak? <laughs> Stephanie, we can't hear you. Apologies. Yes. There is one caller with their hand up. And for those that would like to speak to this item, please dial star three to be added to the queue. And I have a muted caller. Calling user number two. Is that Mr. Sullivan? Yes. All right, just a moment, sir, and I'll have the timer ready. Okay. Are you ready, Are you ready to begin speaking, sir? Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think it is a it is good the task force followed its procedures and allowed Mr. Wolf to submit his documents before a committee hearing and put them into the packet. I want to point out that the last time I appeared before a task force committee, I was denied the same procedure 
even though I gave the SOTF plenty of time to put my documents into the packet before the hearing. The hearing continued. This was a different task force committee than the, the complaint committee. All laws and procedures should be applied equally and no one should be disadvantaged. Thank you for your time. Okay, thank you. Any other public commenters? The caller has been muted. There are no other attendees with their hands raised. All right, thank you. Let's vote. Chair Schmidt. Aye. Chair Schmidt, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Sugarman, absent. Shall we call item number three? Yes, please. <laughs> item number three, public comment. Members of the public may address the committee on matters that are within the committee's jurisdiction, but not on today's agenda. May I comment? Yes. Yeah, we, we have one in the room, and uh, we also may have some online. Uh, any Anyone here for public comment uh, who's remote? Yes, we do have one caller that is remote. Okay, okay, great. I'm going to start this time around uh, with uh, the gentleman in the room, and then we'll move to the remote uh, person who's who has public comment. Do I have Do I have thirty seconds, or how long do I have? I uh, up up to three minutes. Oh, I don't need that long. You ready? I have. I'm sorry. I'm ready to start. Are you ready? Yes, please. Okay, good. My name is Mark Bruno. I'm here on another matter. I'm a complainant in another matter. And over the 40, almost 40 years I've lived in San Francisco, I've been before the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force perhaps four times at the most. I'm not an expert on the Sunshine Ordinance, but I have gone to police commission hearings. I was a commissioner. I was the chair of a commission called the Graffiti Advisory Board for three years, many years ago. So I know some of the, um, of the challenges that face uh, applying law, especially codified law, which is very uh, statutory, very nuanced, and we don't normally read it unless we're unable to go to sleep at night because it's not something that we deal with regularly. So with those um, excuses or reasons aside, I find it disappointing, disappointing in this very wealthy city that if I were to go to the police, which I've only had to do once when I myself was the victim of a crime, so I've never, I'm not there every week going to the police, asking them for records. I've only done it once. It was hell on earth. And it was nothing like the experience I've just had with DBI, which was also extremely unpleasant and we'll address later, but they're not alike. Since we have so much money in the city and we have a commission dedicated to this Sunshine Ordinance task, the Sunshine Ordinance rather, and since we all believe that transparency and record keeping and record revelation to the public is a good thing, this should be made uniform. 
The one time I worked with Supervisor Peskin years ago on a, a park matter to get um, information from Rec and Park, it was a third way of doing business. Again, I'm not saying any one way was right or wrong, but it seems to me that if citizens, me as an example, who come here without being paid and are taking time away from their loved ones and the things perhaps more pleasurable in life. I'm not an attorney, so none of this is pleasurable to me. No offense, but it isn't. It's aggravating and, and exasperating and um, nerve-wracking, frankly. I don't like doing it. And I can't speak for everyone, but I know there are others in that situation. Well, the least we could do as a city is um, make the process to get records in every department more or less the same, and it's not. So again, Rec and Park, police, DBI, three experiences that I've had, vastly different in their approaches within the department to handing out records. Even the title of the officers who are responsible for it are not the same. That's confusing. So anything this group, this uh, ordinance task force can do, I realize you're the subcommittee, to um, rem remedy that would be much appreciated. Thank you. All right, thank you. Okay, we have a um, caller to to give uh, general public comment. Yes, I am when, now. When Cheryl's ready. Uh, Ms. Cabrera, do we have a second caller, second speaker? Yes, we do, and I am unmuting okay. the caller now. Caller, you've been unmuted. Caller? I don't need much time. I, I just want to say I apologize for uh, giving my public comment on item number two. And I guess I'm rusty. Uh, thank you for your time. Understood. Thank you. Thank you. And there are no other callers in the queue. Okay. Okay, so general public comment uh, is concluded, and we can move to number four. <clears throat> Item number four, file number 23080, complaint filed by Mark Bruno against Patrick Hannon and the Department of Building Inspection for allegedly violating Administrative Code Section 6721 by failing to provide public records in a timely and or complete manner. On September 19, um, 2023, the complaint committee moved to find that the task force has jurisdiction, the records are public, and to continue the matter to the October complaint committee hearing. The committee requested the respondent to search for the photos and requested Ms. Gasparic to attempt to locate additional records. Okay, um, we have already had a hearing on this and we don't always do this, but we had the parties come back because in this case, it appeared there was a chance that some more um, photos could be located and that would go a great distance to uh, satisfying the request that was made. Uh, the first question I'm going to have is, um, who do we have here um, on behalf of the respondent? Is anyone here on behalf of the respondent? 
Okay, so at this point, it does not look like the DBI has anyone here. Pardon or... me, through the oh. chair. Patrick oh, Henman is here. Please oh. use the star three feature to raise your hand so that I can unmute you if you're here for this item. Thank you, Patrick Hannon has been Patrick Hannon from the Department of Building Inspection. I'm here. Oh, got it. Okay, okay, great. So we do have a respondent here. Um, there was a um, set of uh, photos, and I, I, I'm going to start out not with a full presentation, but. I'm going to ask each party if there was any progress with the photos. So, um, I, I'm going to ask respondent first, uh, what uh, news do you have for us in terms of the, the photos that were uh, discussed a month ago? On September 25th, uh, we provided the requested records and we provided a link using next request. Um, I'm happy to share. Uh, PDF of that email um, that we sent to Mr. Bruno, if that'd be helpful. Okay, great. Um, and Mr. Bruno, uh, did you receive what you were looking for? Um, no, okay. not, a, not at all. The, you, you were between, this hearing was between the original request on August 25th and a one month later response for an immediate disclosure request, not done properly within 48 hours, but done one month later. And just so we all know, this hearing came between my original request on August 25th, their so-called response on September 25th, and the extremely important hearing, important to other people, not just me, all the people who live in our building, all the tenants who have lived there, most of us seniors, for over 30 years on 27th of September. So it is part of this commission's, as I understand it, request and, and a purview to look not only at the contents of what was given to Mr. Bruno, me, on the 25th, but when was it done in a timely manner? So I have two things to say, just, and I'll sum up here. It was certainly not done in a timely manner by Mr. Hannon's own admissions, by the documents he submitted, or the DBI, I should say, and Mr. Hannon submitted to this committee. It was not done in a timely manner, not remotely. Furthermore, it was done only two days before this very difficult, complex hearing before the Board of Appeals, which we won. But there's no way DBI could have known that beforehand. They made it extremely difficult for us. And lastly, regarding the contents, I would, I would challenge anybody in this room, because you are experts on contents coming through record requests, how could any of you or any normal human being know that Mr. Hannon submitted or gave out on the 25th the full record? When, on the 29th of August, four days late, four days late for the immediate disclosure request, he made the same statement to us in writing. We have done the homework we're required to do. I'm paraphrasing here. We have done the entire project. There's nothing else here. Go away. It's done. That was said, and I can read it to you just so we have it. I'm sure you've seen this. It's standard language. He said the same thing on the 25th of September. It says, I won't read the whole thing. It says, dear requester, this is on the 29th, his response to us, four days late. He then says, we have finished conducting our search and found no other documents responsive to your request. 
Therefore, we consider your request closed. Those same words, that same boilerplate language, dismissively was used by the Department of Building Inspection on the 25th of September, again telling us, oh, we've done our job and it's all here. Who, who is a tenant in this city struggling as I am just to get by to pay rent would follow around the five inspectors, so there were five inspections that were done because of the problems in this building. So it's not about making the building department look bad. It's about people who are being pushed out of their, their apartments because of a misuse of the law, an abuse of the law by the current owner. So it's very significant. Who, which one of us in the building, I'm 65 and I'm one of the youngest, would follow around those inspectors and know how many photographs they took. Did they take zero photographs or 25? I don't know. So that's why trust is the essential issue in this matter, and it's been broken. I understand that there is a claim of delay, and I know that was discussed a month ago here. Uh, but if we just sort of divide this up between the delay and the back and forth, et cetera. On one hand, in just um, the photos themselves, uh, I, I will ask uh, again, Mr. Bruno, do you believe that there are any photos that you were requesting that you did not receive by September 25th? I'm a very down-to-earth, reasonable person without casting blame on any person, especially who I've never met, Mr. Hannon. But let me just read you one email to this committee I, I, from I, I, him. Please, I don't know please. the answer to that. Nobody can possibly know. His is no, 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 just, just, just what you know. Just what you know. I do not know. Okay, you, but you, when you were here earlier, you said that there was a certain number of photos that you believe you had not received and then you were hoping that they be produced and some were and some were not some were so, so you think there's still some outstanding i don't know what to, again may i just read this one quote from mr hannon because i think it will clarify everything i i need you to so i don't know the answer to that okay so you you did how, how many photos did you receive with the september 25th email that you had not gotten before uh, i don't know exactly the number because i was concentrating being a non-attorney with five commission members there at the Board of Appeals and the rest of my work and the rest of my life to, to prepare for a Board of Appeals, two appeals, two, two a Board of Appeals, two days later. So by them sending it to me just two days prior to the Board of Appeals hearing, they made it impossible for me to look at it. And if you think I've spent the rest of my life counting up the photographs from Mr. Hannon, again, when I have a chance, I would like to just read you the one sentence from Mr. I, Hannon, I'm gonna, which will I'm clarify gonna stop this. You. I'm going to stop okay. you because um, my, my questions are very specific. I'm, I'm going to ask Mr. Hannon a question, which is the September 25th email um, do you believe that any remaining photos that were responsive to the request as the request had been stated, that all remaining photos were supplied with that September 25th uh, email that you sent? I do. Okay. Do you remember approximately the number of photos that were included with with that 
email, September 25. Yeah, thank you, Chair. I was just counting them up. And forgive me, I, I stopped counting to answer your question, but it's between 30 and 40. So it, it's, uh, and we got them from four different inspectors, including two sets from one inspector. Okay. Okay. And, and so it's your understanding that you got all the photos that are uh, relevant to the request and all of those photos have been forwarded to Mr. Bruno, correct? That is our belief. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to just put a um, question to my committee. Um, since we've already heard the matter, we know that there is a claim of delay here. Uh, we haven't made any, we haven't ruled out anything with regards to this case. We do know about everything that happened in the case, but I think one thing that we were able to do, which we don't always get, which is that we got those photos and actually, even though it would have been nice to get the photos even earlier, fortunately, they were received to be of some assistance. I'm not saying that that excuses any other delay, but um, I'm going to just uh, ask a question of uh, Member Stein, which is, what do you think we should do here um, since we sort of have the answer that uh, had been to, to the question that had been sort of brought us here from the last month until this hearing? Any any thoughts on what you would like to do, including questions for the witnesses? Yeah, I mean, I did have one question for the respondent, um, Mr. Hannon. Uh, so, did you reach out to each inspector who looked at the building? Yeah, let me state. I was actually on medical leave during this time. Did somebody from DBI reach out to each inspector at the? Yeah, so we, we have somebody. Was there only a total of four inspectors? Uh, well, uh, let me state. My, I, I work with someone who uh, who does the administration of the sunshine request under my supervision. Um, so of course I'm I'm the responsible party. Just to be super clear, um, but I, I I was not the person that directly reached out, and I was not in the office that day. Uh, my understanding, and let me open up the original request from Mr. Bruno. Uh, there were five inspectors that he requested them from, and we got them from four of them. Um, I don't believe hold Early on only four inspectors four five instances but four inspectors oh you're right five instances and four inspectors thank Probably you mr Bruno. let me see uh oh and we did we got we got photos from all five instances from all four inspectors yeah okay um, and so we we did reach out to them directly and um and they were able to provide these photos and, and i don't know why they didn't provide them originally okay well i'm i'm glad to hear that all of the photos were, it seems like all of the photos were probably obtained, but I still am concerned about the fact that this was an IDR. It was, it didn't, wasn't produced in a timely fashion. So it would still be my 
um, preference, I think, to maybe forward it to the consent committee and say this is a violation of 67.25, the rules for immediate disclosure requests, even though at the same time I am I'm happy that the, the, it, the photos were eventually given and given with a little bit of leeway that they potentially could have been used, even though I recognize that it's it's tough to like sort through that in two days. Even though I realize it's tough to sort through that in two days, um, I'm I'm glad the DBI did the work they should have done immediately, and and got those photos. Well, I I think that I will uh, second the motion and that the, basically just to not to change the motion or anything, but just to give an explanation. We can't make any final decisions in this committee. We can. However, uh, submit the matter to a hearing before the full task force where the full task force would actually decide whether, whether there were violations here and what those violations may be. This committee doesn't have the ability to make a final decision. What we we're able to do one is to get the photos and two we according to this um motion which has been seconded um we're making we're, we're placing this onto a special consent calendar whereby um the i believe the parties won't even need to appear um, and if if none of the members um, uh, object, then there there will be a finding of a violation. You're missing terms. part of the record. May I just? Sorry to interrupt, but I just it's just from the board of appeals, and what the board of appeals said. The only attorney there. It makes me uncomfortable. This is about the matter that I appeared. That we hear this from you, Mr. Green, the liaison, official liaison to the Board of Appeals, Michael Green, with somewhat regularity that there's places in the process where a mistake should have been caught, but it wasn't. And when I hear that something should have been caught three or four times but wasn't caught, what that implies to me, he preceded all this by saying how uncomfortable this makes him to speak about it, what that implies to me is that it was not caught intentionally. It's not me speaking, it's the Board of Appeals. And that's very, very troublesome. And I want to ask you if you can address why, what happened in this process, meaning where I live at 15 Nobles, why this wasn't caught at any of the three or four steps. And it was only fixed because Mr. Bruno filed an appeal here. And I want to know if Mr. Bruno had not filed this appeal, how would it have, would it have just moved forward anyway? Most likely it would have. I can't imagine any other way this mistake would have been caught. So I'm placing the significance of the failure by Mr. Hannon, innocent or not, failure to not give us the, the record on, in a timely manner in a great context, because this is the third time over four years we've had to go to the Board of Appeals over this, this matter. And it's not fair that the DBI with all of its money, they built the most expensive office building in the history of the city, $238 million. They, they have the resources to give us the record on time. I, 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 I think we get it. We, we have pretty much done what we can do here today. All right. Um, it, it, and we 
are making a recommendation, putting it on a consent calendar. If, if we, well, we have a second motion, we will still have public comment on this, but we can't get into matters uh, in, that. But you should know, now you know. Other That's parts all. of the city. I understand. It, we, we understand your, the context here. Okay, thank you. It's, it's understood, yeah. Thank we you. Understood. Commissioners, can I, can I just make one one quick point before you second the motion? Uh, I'll give uh, Mr. Hannon a, 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 a well, actually, Member Stein first, and then Mr. Hannon. Member Stein. No, I just want to mention that the fact that we want to send it to a consent calendar means that we very strongly believe that it didn't, you know, that it was a violation of okay. six, of the immediate disclosure request. If we didn't. Think it strongly, we would just send it to the regular task force for them to rehash it. But we're coming out with a strong position that we think there's a violation here. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mr. Hannon, you're you're up. Your turn. Yeah, I just want to note that uh, since January 1st, uh, our department has fulfilled 544 sunshine requests. Wow. Um, I think that we, we are not regular appearers before this committee. Um, we take this responsibility seriously. We do our best to provide the documentation. Obviously, we did not uh, provide Mr. Bruno in this case with all the documents that he requested. As soon as we were uh, made alert and were able to rectify that, we did. Um, and so I just want to note that we, you know, there's no misintent here that just like we do with every request that comes in, we take the responsibility seriously and we do our best to fulfill it. Thank you, Mr. Hannon. And, and yes, you're not on our. Um... Our uh, 10 most wanted list. Uh, <laughs> those, are, those are other agencies, not the DVI, but that's just my personal comment. Not, I, I'm, I'm not ruling on anything when I say that, but yeah, the DBI is, uh, we do see the DBI occasionally, um, uh, but not in any extraordinary uh, amount. Okay. Yeah, I think this is the second time this year that we have been before this committee, and in, bo in both cases, um, we provided the documents that were requested. Um, so again, five hundred four is not a small amount. We take the responsibility yeah. seriously, and just wanted to make that point. Okay, great. Yeah, uh, uh, Member Stein, should we um, call for public comment on this? Okay. I want to make sure I got the motion right. I, it's just to forward the matter to the uh, consent calendar, the SOTF. Well, uh, just to be full, I'll just say these are public records under our jurisdiction, and we would like to forward this case to the consent calendar with recommendation that we find a violation of 67.25 um, dealing with, in, you know, uh, the untimely provision of an immediate disclosure request. Or for the late provision of an immediate. So, so just one question. It's not clear, but you'll make it clear, maybe whether or not both parties have will be obligated to or the right to submit documents or something. We're not sure about that. I don't care about appearing, but I want to just make sure they have the documents that are because it's just a huge flow of documents and it's confusing. Oh, sorry. Okay. So I apologize. So to Mr. Hannon, um, he might be interested in knowing this as well, DBI, but. Um, if you look at the original package here from the 19th of um, August, I believe it was, I'm sorry, the 19th of September that we, we originally met here on this matter, it's, it's repetitive and it goes, and it's not nobody's fault, but it's huge. 
So I think it would be useful. And I would send it to Mr. Hannon at the same time if I could take out just the four. So it's his two responses to us, including the one that where he says everything is there. So it's just his emails so he could correct them. And it's my original request. And it's um, just a packet, very small edited version of this. Nothing's edited within it, but it's for them to see what's going on because otherwise you can't see it. They do see a copy of the entire packet. It's confusing. It okay. Yeah. Um, it's very confusing. I'm telling you, it's like, I, I had trouble. I went through it again today. That's how I know. Cause there's a lot where one party is copying everything. The other side did. And it's, no, I, it's, I, I believe you. And yeah. this has been an ongoing issue with our packets, but I think. Even though it's not efficient for us, um. Task force members have learned to, you know, how to kind of read them, even when they might seem confusing. But or, um, or if, there's a, if there's a provision for, I mean, I believe you can still, I mean, Cheryl can correct me, but I believe you can still add materials to the packet up until five days before it's heard by the full SOTF. But in terms of editing the packet. No, no, not editing it. Uh, no, what you said is fine. I, I'm okay. happy to just give a one page rather than anything that's already there. I could just write, and maybe Mr. Hannon would like to do the same or somebody for the department, a one page summary of my argument. That's I all. think that'd be extremely yeah. useful yeah. And to put that up yeah. front with the, you know, with your petition. Yeah, you know, your overall argument, I think that'd be. Yeah, and it'll just refer to documents that are already there. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Ms. Cabrera, do we have public commenters available? As a reminder, for those that would like to make public comment to this item, please dial star three to be added to the queue. And Ms. Leger, there are currently zero attendees with their hands up. Thank you. Let's vote. Uh, apologies. Last oh, minute. One. Yes. Okay. Public comment. Okay. Caller 292, you are unmuted. Yeah, uh, good afternoon. This is Patrick. Uh, may I get your name, please, sir? Caller, sir, please sir, repeat uh, your name. This is Patrick Manetshaw. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, we can, Patrick. One moment and you can begin speaking. They just lowered my hand. Uh, are you ready, uh, Ms. Cabrera? Is he ready to begin speaking? Yes, he is unmuted, and I'm lowering the hand to identify those that I've already unmuted. Patrick, you can begin speaking whenever you're ready. Uh, thank you. I am sorry. You muted me again. Hello. Patrick, you can begin speaking whenever you're ready. I am ready, but I keep getting muted. The caller has so, unmuted. So I'm sorry I'm calling in late. What agenda item number are you on and what 
is the title of the item? Um, it's item number four, file number 23080, complaint filed by Mark Bruno against Patrick Hannon and the Department of Building Inspection. Can you tell me the item number for the Bruce Wolf complaint? There's two of them. Item number five, file number 22115 and 22116. All right. I will mute myself, but please let's not go through this again when you get to item five. All right. Thank you, sir. There are no other speakers in the queue. Are they all speakers for this for item number four? No, she said there are no other speakers. She said no other speakers. Correct. Um, I'm seeing on the screen that there are six people ready to speak. Is this correct, Ms. Cabrera? There are six listeners with zero in the queue to speak. All right, great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'll do the vote. Member Stein? Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Schmidt? Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member Sugarman, absent. Shall I repeat? Thank you for coming. Oh, sure. Thank yeah, you. thank you. All right, let's um, move to the next item. Uh, item number five, file number 22115, complaint filed by Mark Sullivan against Bruce Wolf for allegedly violating administrative code section 6721E by failing to provide access to requested records, 6725, by failing to respond to an immediate disclosure request in a complete and timely manner, California Public Records Act, 6253 D is in dog for willful delay and obstruction to access of a public record. All right. Um, and uh, let's see who we have here today. Um, uh, Mr. Sullivan, are you still on the line? Okay. Okay. Sullivan is here. Uh and yeah. uh, and the respondent, Mr. Wolf, Member Wolf, Chair Wolf, are you present? I am present, and I have a question about process. Process question. Go ahead. Um, on on or around uh, September twenty fifth, I made a, a request for these two complaint files to be combined. Did you receive notice, or were made aware of this before posting of the agenda? The, the letter about that is in for this complaint on page uh, PDF page 60. About a continuance. No, the last paragraph and the, the subject line includes. Uh, a, a, a request about combining the files. Yeah, I, I see that the letter says. It talks about continuance and combining. Yes, yeah. 
at this point, they're not combined. Um, I don't know if that's something we are going to want to do. do you, I, I guess I could um, ask if Mr. Sullivan, who's a complaining party, would object to the request that you made to combine. Uh, Mr. Sullivan, did you, uh, did, do you, do you accept? I, I object. You object. Okay. Because I, I, I think it's a separate issue. Okay. 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 All right. Um, so we have a request, but it's not, um, it, it's opposed to combine. I would, I, I would be inclined to leave the two, although obviously they should be heard anywhere along the way in tandem at least. Um, so, but, but I, I'm inclined to not combine them myself right now. Uh, Member Stein, um, what, what do you think about that? The request to combine. I, I'm also maybe because I read them separately, but I'm a little bit um, wary of combining them because I think that they do kind of address two separate issues and possibly would even be, you know, two separate um, motions or or multiple motions. So I, I think it's okay how it is. Okay, um, let's. Um... Let's go ahead and, and hear them separately here today. I don't want to um, make a, I, 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 I think it, the request to combine, um, we're not gonna grant the request today. But uh, I, I don't want to I I don't want to rule out that maybe somewhere along the way uh, that request might be granted uh, by by someone else. Um, it may be that at the task force they may uh, grant a motion to combine, but for now we're not going to combine them, and so we're just going to start with two two one five, and so let me. Uh, First, because the last case was somewhat abbreviated, I don't, we didn't quite do a standard uh, three minute, three minute hearing type of scenario. But that's what we're going to do here. And for each of the following, uh, each of the remaining complaints that we have here today. So, first, we will hear from the petitioner. Uh, for up to three minutes, and then we'll hear from the respondent for up to three minutes. Uh, we we have had our chance to look at all the documents, so uh, you you don't necessarily need to repeat what's in the documents. And after the three and the three, uh, the members may have questions for either petitioner or respondent. After that question period members will deliberate and decide uh, questions such as does the task force have jurisdiction of the matter uh, is 
does it involve public documents, public meetings, et cetera? We may or may not make a recommendation. Uh, and we will, in some cases, but not all, forward the matter for a full task force hearing since at this time we have no power to make any type of final decision in this committee. All right, so uh, when Ms. Leger is ready, uh, we will hear first from the petitioner. Mr. Solomon, are you ready to begin? Yes. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Mr. Wolf's email questioning me as local media. You stated our office keeps a pretty solid service list. This is an easily identifiable record. On January 28, 2022, I sent an IDR task force for the solid list of local media, and and they kept that we kept. And any requirement or procedures to be included on that list and the date and time of the January 25th, 2022 retreat agenda was posted because I knew that was answerable. I got no response. I was ignored. I sent the IDR on February 7th, 2022. This is an IDR that was purely administrative request in nature, of which Mr. Roger knew the, the answer and that there was no such list, no procedure. She could have answered on her own request, and this 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 thing would be over. Instead, uh, I guess Mr. Chair Wolf somehow thought this was important enough for him to be involved. He instructed this, the task force administrator to respond to my request was voluminous, even though Mr. Pleasure had twice, at least twice, informed him that there were no records. A list. And how to get on this list is not a voluminous request. To use voluminous number of records in the response, you must first have searched the records and find many records before you respond with voluminous nature. Sunshine Ordinance Section 6725B and CDRA 7922535C, unusual circumstance, is the use. Two, the, the need to search for, collect, and appropriately examine a voluminous amount of separate and distinct records that are demanded in a single request. In this request, there are only two possible distinct records. Furthermore, if there is no requirement to do a search for a response to find out if there are any records, then there's little point to the IDR when a custodian of record can respond with voluminous at will. Essentially, all IDRs can be turned into a regular public record request by government officials without any evidence of many records. The only purpose, and I don't know why, is to hold claim of voluminous was to delay and obstruct a public record request. On March 1st, 2022, Ms. Leisure replied, the Office of Sunshine Task Force did not keep a list of local media for special media notice purposes. It took 32 days from my first IDR, 22 days from my second IDR for SOFT to respond to say there was no record. This even breaks the laws on a regular public record request. There is a pattern of the task force to ignore me. Mr. Sullivan, your time is up. Yeah, if you, if you could uh, wrap Thank you for your time. Okay. All right. Thank, Thank you, you for your time. 
All right. When um, Carol's ready, uh, we will hear uh, from the respondent. Mr. Wolf, are you ready to begin speaking? I am. Go ahead, sir. Uh, first, um, uh, members, um, I didn't submit any additional records for which my needs are now contained in the file. I felt duplication, repetition of existing records in the file may be just burdensome to the process, to the file, and wasteful printing of hard copies. So if, I, if needed, I'll refer to them directly um, somewhere else between the petitioner's side and my side. Um, the petitioner complaining alleges that I somehow disrupted the process of request. I was made aware of the request uh, uh, by the requester as they added me to a subsequent message that an IDR was from them was being resent to the uh, SOTF administration office requesting this information. But this IDR was not a request to me directly in or by name. Thus, any delay would be on the part and parcel of the true respondent. Uh, this complaint is directed to an incorrect party, namely me, as I was not being requested the information nor custodian of the record. Despite not being party to the press, I did in fact try to assist them uh, to an office that may be able to help them, but not to deter or delay disclosure of the records, as is my duty under the Sunshine Ordinance. Subsequently, that is essentially what they did. Uh, and thus again, the request was made to the uh, our administration's office and not to myself. I never mentioned nor suggested that the record was voluminous. I never used that word. Uh, what I suggested um, was that um, to request an extension or an extension to be invoked. So to give our office some time to either create or format or redact or anything else that may be required for the disclosure because the, the IDR was already somewhat late and I wanted to make sure that um, there was time for that. But I didn't suggest that it was voluminous at all. I, I Not at all, just we have, that's what the, the code says. Uh, so it was not my suggestion. Discussion between myself and the SOTF office and or code and or our SOTF co-chair at the time was purely administrative in order to help fulfill the request, not delay it. Any other actions to communicate with the requester on the findings thereafter were made at the decision of the SOTF administrator uh, or the office. Again, I was not the named requester of this IDR. I had no custody or actual knowledge of the existence of the records be requested. I contend that there's no correlation and connection with the Sunshine Ordinance as to my actions, and there was no wrongdoing or noncompliance on, on my part as the SOTF chair at the time with regards to this complaint, and respectfully request that this complaint uh, be recommended to be dismissed. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, okay, now we may have questions. I will... I'll, I'll defer at the moment to Member Stein. Any questions for either of the parties? I'm going through my notes here. Um, so I guess I have a couple of questions for respondent. Um, can you just 
maybe you feel like you addressed this, but I'm wondering if you can speak again to why you became involved in this process when you are not a custodian. Um, why not just ask Cheryl to respond as per an IDR, search for the documents and respond to the requester? Or why not respond to the requester when you're CC'd that you are not the custodian and it'll be handled by Cheryl directly? Well, that's why I uh, assisted them and directed them to the office, first of all. Second of all, I've been on the task force for over 15 years. And in past years, we've um, sent in print copy um, many, many iterations, many copies of the agenda uh, to uh, people who have requested them, uh, including the media. And I suppose in my recollection that that was still happening. And so that was why I, um, I had suggested that uh, the office uh, provide that information. And then I found out subsequently later to that, uh, that uh, this file doesn't exist. So, um, so I stand corrected, but uh, it was just based upon my recollection uh, because I've been on the task force uh, for a long time and that used to be our practice. So I, I, I imagined that it was continu still continuing. And and just also, frankly, the ordinance has a, you know, clause in it, uh, provision uh, for the media uh, to be notified, you know, when there are special meetings and and various other things. So, I kind of, kind of, it was just a bit some something sensical to me. It's yeah, it's somewhere in there. Oh, uh, can I correct a few things? I oh, oh, one one second. Um, it, right. I think uh, um, I, I want to see if there's anything that um, Ms. Leger would like to to add in since she's been mentioned here. Um. To Mr. Wolf and to Mr. Sullivan, um, when I first asked about this particular item, um, I was directed to say that uh, we don't have a media list and that when somebody wants information about uh, a special meeting or whatever would be on an agenda item, that direct them to the uh, task force website. Can I ask you a question? Who directed you to do that? Uh, Mr. Young. Okay. That was a question I had for the next case. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was. Uh, I, I'm going to uh, give um, Mr. Sullivan uh, an opportunity for a brief um, response to those uh, factual um, uh, items. So uh, go ahead, uh, Mr. Sullivan. It sounds like you have may have something to respond with. Yes. Uh, first of all, uh, on the first immediate disclosure. On exhibit number three, which is page 29 of this packet, 
Uh, it goes Can you through wait one the second? Sunshine Ordinance. What, 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 one, one moment. One, Sorry, hold on. Wait one second for us to get to the same page you're on. Yeah, we'll just right. find it in the page. Um, page 29, you said? 29, uh, 71, item number okay. five. Okay, that's fine. It says big exit three. Okay, so that's my first public immediate IDR, and that's to uh, the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. And I didn't get a response. I did two, again, exhibit four, which is next page down. Uh, I did it to the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force, and I put in uh, uh, Mr. Wolf and Mr. Yankee in there because I didn't get a response. And they're, they're, they're the head of the task force, you know, they both position. But it was clearly also to the task force in general. It's just a repeat. Mr. Wolf says that he uh, sent me an email or something, communicated to me somewhere that, that I uh, should be directed to the task force uh, thing. But there is no, I never got an email there. Uh, he never directed me anywhere. Um, the other thing is, is the, the conversation happened between, uh, was given to me by Mr. Yankee. Uh, and I was not part of this conversation where he said that, told Ms. Uh, Leger to respond as voluminous, which she did. She followed his thing, even though she knew that there were no records. And that she was told, like she just said, she was told by Mr. Young that there was no records, and that's what she should have said. But she was following Mr. Wolf's uh, request, even though, and she tried to tell him twice. Thank you, Mr. Sullivan. Forever. Okay. Can I ask um, Mr. Sullivan? Um, so, in the second time that you send the request, which is now got a you know, two line of SOTF, Bruce Wolf and Matt Yankee. Um, were yes. you thinking that this request, the second request was a request that you were directly making of all three parties? I, I was thinking that someone needed to respond uh, and that, uh, and that um, uh, I am, so my first line on the top of these, so I am rescinding this immediate record request. And I'm noting Carl Olson on this. And because I already sent it once, and I have the date the next time, you know, where I sent, um, it's just, uh, it's just the, the same record, Jeff Friday, January 28th. And I sent it to the chair and uh, the vice chair because I wanted to put pressure on getting this request done. Okay, so it's really um, to the SOTF, and you were just, it's kind of. Yeah. A CC to these other, the chair and the vice chair, so they're aware that this request has not been answered. Right. Well, it's CC, or they're in charge of the passwords. So, you know. Just the chair. You know, and they're, and they're supposed to okay. make sure that the content uh, ordinance is followed. Okay. Thank you. All right. I'll uh, now give um, Member Wolf an opportunity to respond to any factual contentions that we've uh, just heard. Yeah, I, I just want to say, I think some of the chronology, this is all kind of in a state of flux. The, the uh, communications that uh, Ms. Leger was receiving from Mr. Young and the communications she was receiving from me, it was all kind of happening at the same time. 
I was not aware that Mr. Young had responded that there was uh, no responsive records uh, at the time. So they could have, you know, more or less ignored what I had said, but I'm, I'm not sure what was going on uh, in the process at that time. So I'm kind of unaware of what was happening in in those moments. Um, and yes, the the document uh, I think it's Exhibit Four that he's uh, that he said that uh, that he's just resending the IDR, and the IDR to reiterate was not to either myself or to uh, Vice Chair Yankee, but to the SOTF office. So I I, I don't feel like there was any delay in this at all um i you know i i don't uh i don't sense that there's really any any kind of issue it's a lot of it was just happening in the moments of process thank okay. you okay thank you and yes i agree myself that the fact that um there was a there were several conversations going on but uh your um, involvement as as the chair, uh, Chair Wolf, was you were communicating with Ms. Lejay, uh, but the fact that there was a different set of conversations about the content of the response here, I think that's significant. Yes, absolutely significant. Okay. Um, any other questions, Member Stein? Can I ask like question to Cheryl? Yes. So Cheryl, this so if this uh, IDR came in, and what was your? Because there were multiple processes going on at once. Um, what was your understanding of what you needed to do, and where did that understanding come from? It's an IDR, so I. Um... I immediately spoke with Victor about the best way to handle it because I had never had a request involving um, local media or news media. This is new to me. And um, I went as soon as I could, I went to him to say, where is this list? Because I've never seen it. And he said, we don't have one. And he said, I said, well, Bruce is saying that we do. Um, Victor said, whenever anybody has needed information from an agenda, we direct them to the website. Okay. Um, did, you, did you also, did you search for the list or you just asked Victor, like, where's the list? I asked Victor since he's been doing it so long. That was like your search, was that to ask Victor. <laughs> okay. I, I wouldn't know where to, I don't have a directory in, um, I'm sorry. I don't have a directory in my, uh, in my records that specifically addresses media or local media or newspapers, anything like that. So there was no information for me to go to. May I follow up with Member Stein's question to Ms. Lejay? Mr. Chair. It's up to you. So um, I oh go ahead. So I, I just wanted to to note uh, that when I had responded to Ms. Leger, it was on February 7th um, at 3.37 p.m. Um, I did not know that she had spoken to Mr. Young at that time and did not find out until the following day 
at uh, around 12, a little after 12 uh, noon. So, it, like I said, it's all kind of in a, a state of flux there. And uh, had I known that uh, Mr. Young had responded uh, to that earlier, uh, the, the previous day, then I would have said, okay, you know, disregard what I, what I was, what I was inquiring about. All right. So just to be clear, Cheryl, so you talked to Victor, Victor said there was no list, but you didn't get back to the petitioner right away to say there was no list because Bruce was saying, Mr. Wolf was saying that there was a list somewhere. And so you weren't sure. Right. Okay. There have been responses, so. Okay. No more questions from me. Member Stein, I'm, you, you, you certainly can keep asking if anything, no, I don't have any but, more oh, sure, sure. Um, so, so at this point, uh, I think we can figure out the, the limited, um, uh, answers to what we can do here today, which it basically includes, do we send this on to the task force because it involves public records and do we have jurisdiction? I think those two preliminary facts are not a problem here. I don't know if we want to go so far as to make a recommendation. I get a sense that um, my, my hunch here, it may not just be my hunch, is that, um, you know, if this was a complaint that was lodged against a task force, that's one thing. But uh, this is a complaint that's lodged against member Wolf. And uh, I think that whatever the task force's actions responses were in 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 addressing this ADR, IDR, IDR, that would be on the task force itself. But I'm not sure if I see a basis for 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 finding that somehow there's a separate obligation that uh, Chair Wolf had that would make this claim against him uh, viable. That's that's my sort of preliminary thought on uh, on this. I also will just say that. I don't know if I've heard anyone actually say, oh, this was complex, so it wouldn't qualify as an IDR. I think somehow um, everyone's in agreement that it probably could have been uh, 
it, it, it was not something that was improper uh, to be handled as an IDR. And yet, I don't know if that even is going to matter here. So those are my thoughts. Can I point out one thing? Uh, I, hold on, Mr. Sullivan. We're we're deliberating, Member Stein. Okay. Um, I actually find this a bit of a tough one because I do think there was an IDR request that wasn't handled, um, you know, as an IDR request should be handled. I think. You know, he should have been gotten back to in one day told we don't have any such records, but we're uh, inquiring further. Uh, you know, we'd, we'd like a little extra time to see if we can locate that record, um, but that didn't exactly happen. Um, I understand that chair Wolf uh, chair at the time Wolf uh, was um, just really CC'd on this, but I feel like he also. To some degree, implicated himself in the process, made the process more confusing, and and you know it didn't get processed in the way an IDR should be processed. So I feel like there is a probably a violation of sixty seven point two five in terms of you know not being gotten back to in one day. Um, but I'm but it's not clear to me that the correct um, you know person to be named as the violator is uh, Mr. Wolf. So it just you know, I think there is a probably an SOTF violation here, and I think there was just too much, too many hands in the process, and somehow it didn't, uh, it didn't get processed correctly as an IDR. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, and this is just something where I'm, I'm not a hundred percent clear on is. Uh, would would the task force even have uh, jurisdiction because this is a complaint against a member? Is isn't you, you know we we had these decisions that were made about complaints against the task force, complaints against individual members, and I'm just trying to think back to what they what what was finally decided there. Do you recall? I gosh, I assume because it came before us that they didn't decide that it couldn't. The, but I know there was some discussion about, you know, leaving it to ethics to handle potential complaints against the task force as a whole. Yeah. I'll ask uh, Member Wolf since uh, Member Wolf is a long-standing member of the, the task force. Uh, Member Wolf, is is this something that we may not even be really uh, in the correct in finding that we that the task force has jurisdiction because it's a, a complaint that the rules, as currently um, set and forth, would, would not allow that to go to the task force. So, uh, I think it was maybe August or July. I think it was over the summer sometime. We had a, an item uh, specifically on this uh, question. And uh, we had uh, approved um, uh, 
to allow the task force to hear complaints against task force members. Um, there was no like specific necessarily context to it. Um, you know, but that the process uh, would allow us to uh, adjudicate our own. Um, and in, in my experience in the past, when the task force itself was brought up on a complaint, we took it up as purely a administrative issue um, and not um, uh, hear it as a complaint against us, uh, but left it uh, open to um, uh, to whatever other uh, venues or, or that was available uh, to a, a, a petitioner. But um, most of the time it was, um, you know, we we slap ourselves on the wrist and say, well, you know, we'll fix it, um, Got and, it. and make the okay. correction. So I don't I don't I don't I don't have that um, that resolution uh, in front of me. But I believe we did take it up. OK, thank you. Thank you. Yes, Member Stein. Can we? You know, I just don't know if it's proper to forward something where the request was to the task force and then the complaint is brought against an individual who was not the object of the request. Yeah, and that's what I was can I, can I, going to say. Because what what is the member Stein? Are you saying that? There is um, issue with jurisdiction. There's a, it seems like there's just an issue with process. I don't know if it's jurisdiction, but normally when you have complaints, a request is made to a certain body. That body doesn't answer the request. Mm -hmm. And then the complaint is brought against that body. It can't be brought against other bodies or, uh, you know, other people in that body that weren't the object of that request. Yeah, got it. Got it. I, I'm going to give uh, Mr. Sullivan uh, just a brief um, opportunity to. He, it sounds like he's got something to say. Yeah, I, I have a few things to say. So, first of all, the first thing I did do was bring this to the Ethics Commission. So, because your procedures don't allow me, anyone to hear a complaint, it's only a complaint against a person on the desk forms. You can't hear a complaint against each other. That's a whole other issue, you know, which we can deal with later. But I brought this to the Ethics Commission. They won't hear the, they won't hear complaints on the public records, on uh, the Sunshine Ordinance, unless it's a specific officers, elected, I mean, elected officers in certain commissions. That's it. And they have to be willful. Other than that, they're not interested in, in, in uh, hearing any complaints about the sunshine. Now, I think they're okay. reading 6735D law. Okay. But yes. So, yes. So, Got it. So then, so then the only other option I have is the person who's in charge of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force is the chair. Mm hmm. And yeah. he's the only person that I can file a complaint with. And, and I understand, Mr. Sullivan, that you're you're basically just trying to figure out what are your options here, and you tried every possible way to do it, and it, it makes total sense. Um, yeah, I get it. And 
it's Sorry. certainly not inconceivable that ethics would have that response. Yes. Okay. Um, well, you know, I, I'm going to go back to deliberation here. I think that we, that the only thing that we can really decide here is, are we going to send it forward or are we going to not send it forward? And uh, the question that you just raised is, can we even send it forward since maybe um, it can't go forward because it's not against the actual records custodian? That's a possibility. Although then it just would kind of sit in limbo because we can't dismiss a case. Uh, the other possibility is we just basically say, okay, well, let's just like set it to the task force and let them figure it out. So that seems like only real possibilities uh, in terms of what we do here today. And I could see going either way on that. Do you, Member Stein, do you have some thought about like it, so, something very specific that we can look at, which would tell us you can't even forward this to the task force and have them hear it. Um, hang on one second. Uh, I don't. I don't have something specific in mind, but I kind of want to go back and look at the language of sixty-seven twenty. One or 67, 20, well, 67, 25. I mean, I think it's more in the shadow and penumbra of the, of the thing that, um, you know, no, the complaint is normally brought against the custodian of the record, which and the person to, to whom it's submitted. And here it's not really Chair Wolf, but, but I don't know that there's anything specific in the. Um, in the actual sunshine ordinance. So I, I'm going to look for a minute. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I, I'm inclined. Um, I mean, I, I think that's a question that may be determinative here. But I think that ultimately one way of, of looking at the task force is to say, well, this was a request to the task force itself, and so we can't grant relief against Member Wolf in this situation. And that would be, you know, possibly a, an option that I would propose when, once we get to the task force. And so that would mean we'd dispose of it at that time as, but it would be the task force doing it. And I, I'm inclined to sort of accept that as a reasonable way of going forward because it is a little bit unclear. So I, I, I'm thinking that, I'm thinking that we do have jurisdiction 
I'm just going to make the motion. Um, I think the task force should look at this. Um, I think these would be public documents. I think that arguably the task force would have jurisdiction here, but I want to leave a possible out on that. It may be that arguably there's no jurisdiction to begin with, but I think the task force ultimately would need to make that determination. And I don't think that we should make a recommendation, partly because the members present are not quite in agreement on every single um, item. So that's my recommendation as we send it to the task force. Okay, I'm a little bit on the fence because part of me feels like really it's properly if we if it is a complaint against the task force, it's proper properly probably a complaint against um, the administrator who had potentially had access knew that we didn't have the records could have said in one day that we don't have the records but I'm still looking, but then member Wolf got implicated you know sort of got involved in it. But it almost seems like it's just not a prop. It's not a correctly framed complaint. So that would be an argument for dismissing it, perhaps letting it be refiled with the, you know, with the direct being directed at mm -hmm. the original recipient. You know, and and there was an earlier version sent as well. But this, there was no response. So I think there's a sixty-seven twenty-five violation. I just think it's it's not really. Um, it's not really properly aimed at chair Wolf. So that for me would be an argument to, and the alternative would be dismiss it and let it be refiled with the, you know, framed in a different way. So I'm on the fence too, but I just bring this up as a, another way to look at it. <laughs> but I, 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 you know, I could go either way. One. Are you modifying the motion, Laura? No, I'm just. I'm discussing We're, my logic. Yeah, Mr. Chair. Yeah. Um, well, hold on one one moment, um, uh, Member Wolf. The only problem with that is is that we couldn't dismiss anything. I don't think that's the problem. So I'll just put that out there. Well, we could recommend recommend dismissal. Dismissal because of improper naming of the violator, or yeah, I'm not sure how you put it yeah i'm i'm mm, okay uh, uh member wolf go ahead yeah i was going to um make the same suggestion uh we have had many cases where complaints were brought against um the wrong person uh that the request was originally made made for that similar to this kind of case so I, you know, um, so I, I just wanted to um, uh, to state that because um, uh, it, it's, you know, I, I, I just wanted to say that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I, I think that what we need to do is figure out a way to 
decide the least amount possible here today. That's, I guess, my my thought. Um, I don't. I mean, we could we could make a recommendation that there be a dismissal because this named party uh, was not the one who was um, required to respond. And not the original recipient either. And was not a the original recipient of the the document request. Can we work that into our, we can send it to the full task force, but raise two possible ways, sorry, of looking at it that just to kind of focus their discussion that there are. Well, we could, we could put that we're into not a, a recommendation. We're just yeah. saying, look at this and look at that. To okay. consider this and consider that, you know what I mean? How about this? I'll, I'll withdraw um, what I said, but I'm going to say it again. And, and so it'll have a lot of the same content. All right. Uh, arguably there's jurisdiction and this involves public documents. Uh, we're going to send this to the full task force. We want to put a spotlight on the concern that the respondent to this petition is different than the task force itself, who was the entity that received the public records request and had an obligation to respond to the public records request. So this respondent may be the wrong a party to find a violation against. But we otherwise make no recommendation, right? Is that? But we otherwise make no recommendation. I can second that. Should I read it back? Sure. Uh, Chair Schmidt moves that there is jurisdiction, the records are public, and to send the matter to the task force and put a spotlight on the concern that the respondent to this petition is different than the task force itself, who was the entity that received the request and had an obligation to respond to the requester. This respondent may be the wrong party to find a violation against, but otherwise makes no recommendation, second by Member Stein. Okay, let's uh, see if there's public comment. Did I get that right? Yes.
Ms. Cabrera, do we have any uh, public commenters in the waiting? Yes, I currently have two hands up, one being the complaint filer, as well as another member of the public to speak to this item. Uh, that would be Mr. Sullivan. He can't make a public comment. Okay, thank you. So I will unmute the caller 292 when you're ready. Uh, caller, do you have a name? Uh, it's Patrick Manetshaw. Can you hear me? Yes, are you ready to start speaking, sir? Yes. Go ahead. I know Mr. Sullivan vaguely for, because we both contribute to the Westside Observer newspaper. Mr. Sullivan wrongly named Bruce Walton. Sullivan should have named the two SOTF administrators, Cheryl Lose and Victor Young, as their respondents. Bruce Walton should be removed as a named respondent. I, to be fair to Mr. Sullivan, instead of making him start over from scratch, my recommendation is this. Recently, I filed a complaint against the Department of Public Health, and I named Health Commissioner Dan Bernal, and either Ms. Lose or Mr. Young removed uh, Commissioner Bernal as a named respondent, I think you should amend your uh, motion on the floor that if you're going to send it to the full task force, you do that today by removing Mr. Wolf as a named respondent so that Mr. Sullivan doesn't have to start all over from scratch. You guys have the power to remove a named respondent. You should do so today and just be done with the matter and not make the full task force wave through that discussion all over again. Thank you. All right, thank you. All right, let's go ahead and vote. Chair Schmidt? Aye. Chair Schmidt, aye. Member Stein? Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Sugarman? Absent. Um, Ready for the next item? What, what, one, one second. Okay. All right. Microphones are off. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, and we have the same parties for the next matter. The microphones are off so that you can talk. Oh. Interesting. Wondering if we can make a second motion to change that. All right. Let's put this on the record. I, but you think it's too messy? Okay. All right. I think it. You know, he tried to. Pardon me, Cheryl. The microphones are still audible through WebEx. Okay. That's fine. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Next item is uh, between the same parties. And uh, so there may be a lot of um, overlap repetition. Uh, we do have an interest in figuring out how that matter may differ from the last matter. But uh, let's go ahead and call Cheryl. Uh, did did you call the case? Okay, sorry. Go, you go ahead. Go ahead. Item number six, file number 22116, complaint filed by Mark Sullivan against Bruce Wolf for allegedly violating administrative code section 67.1 G as in George by allowing when a person or entity is before a policy body or passive meeting body, that person and the public has the right to an open and public process. 6721B as in boy by failing to comply with a request for public information. All right. Uh, Let's let's hear from uh, first from Mr. Sullivan. You have up to three minutes. Okay, Mr. Sullivan, you ready to speak, uh, sir? Yeah, sir? just let me know. Go or what? Yeah, I hear you. Go ahead. Okay, after reminding Ms. Leisure that I had previously requested to receive notice of special meetings uh, under the Sunshine Ordinance. They had not noticed me at the special meeting on January 25th. The next day, out of the blue, then-chair will officially challenge me for my claim of local media status. I gave him a dictionary definition of the media, as the Sunshine Ordinance does not have a definition for local media. He dismissed my definition. I asked, do you have a different definition? In his response, he claimed our office keeps a pretty solid service list. So there must be some sort of definition. How can you start a conversation and dismiss a definition without knowing the definition itself? They had 10 days to respond. But more important, in the last email, Mr. Chair Wolf states, I am not making any decision or suggesting any resistance yet. But he has made no decision, nor did he inform the full task force so that it could properly be considered. No action is an act of denial. As I have continued to not be notified of special meetings, I have not been able, I have not been given any definition that would define me of such a notification. I have had no open or public process. I have just been ignored as if I do not matter, dismissed by a government agency that is supposed to uphold the people's right to know. I filed a complaint against the task force on this matter only to have it dismissed because the task force does not hear complaints against itself because of conflict of interest. How convenient. Your policy allows a few members to commit, uh, you know, bad behavior, and most task forces know nothing about it and are unable to review as a reflection of the task force. Your procedures and the task force denial of an open public process, 67.1G, to hear my request to be notified of special meetings, which is in the Sunshine Ordinance, what is that based on? The only way a member of the public can be heard by the task force is by filing a complaint against one person. When no hearing and action is taken, that is denial and not reaching a decision in full view of the public, Six, section 67.1A and the Brown Act 54950. Thank you for your time. All right, thank you. Uh, when Cheryl's ready, we can hear from the respondent now. Uh, Mr. Wolf, are you ready? I am. 
ahead, sir. Uh, file two two one one six. The petitioner complainant claims that I denied them quote uh, process uh, that I denied them quote process to be considered a local media unquote and quote failing to comply for a request uh, for public information unquote. Uh, this is factually incorrect, and I find little to no merit to this allegation. The request, which was subject of the previous um, complaint that we just just heard, two two one one five, was not a request to me directly, as you have made a motion to suggest the SOTF uh, uh, take into consideration. Further. I did not challenge or block or deny or take any action to prevent the petitioner or complainant access to anything. There are no facts in this complaint to show that I did. Instead, they did file a request to the SOTF administration office and the process moved ahead uh, as it did without any obstruction from me. In fact, I had suggested to them as I claimed in the previous uh, complaint, that I, I assisted them. I told them where to go to, to ask for that information. Um, um, as far as the statement with regards to that I'm not making any decisions or suggesting any resistance yet, that was clearly stating that I had no intention of taking any action at that time. In fact, if somebody had told me that um, this, uh, the petitioner was not local media, then that would be a discussion to have then. But I didn't receive any of that information. I didn't, in fact, I didn't talk to anyone about this interchange. Uh, it was just simply my uh, curiosity because I had not uh, heard that um, uh, Mr. Sullivan had been part of local media. As I stated in my um, in my response letter, I write numerous articles for my local neighborhood council and a widely distributed newsletter. Am I local media too? You know, I, I you know the it, the question is it it is up for um, for interpretation. Nonetheless, in this case. I, there's no wrongdoing. I, I'm not a department head, nor am I paid staff of the city. And uh, I provided, no, I didn't take any action on it. And uh, I don't feel that there is any, anything to correlate with the Sunshine Ordinance that uh, would show that uh, there was any non-compliance. So I contend that there was no wrongdoing doing or non-compliance on my part as the SOTF chair at the time with regards to this complaint and respectfully request that this complaint be recommended to be dismissed. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, at this point, uh, the members may have questions for the parties. Member Stein, anything? Um, I think I probably only have one question, which is for the petitioner. Um, and maybe I've asked this in a different way, but um, I wanted to know why did you not, I mean, it seems like there's two pieces to the complaint here that are, um, you know, need to be looked at. One is, um, you know, that you requested 
to be on a media list, to be informed about special meetings as 67.6F in the Sunshine Ordinance requires, and not you were not added. Um, and I'm wondering why you did not bring the complaint against the SOTF administrator rather than bringing it against Chair Wolf. That's a good question. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. It's like the duties of the chair, the chair shall preside over at meetings of the task force. The chair working with the administrator and the task force members shall oversee the preparation of the agenda for task force meetings. I don't know. I mean, maybe I should be going against the administrator, but uh, you know, it, it's 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 just like who's in charge? Yeah, I understand. It's really frustrating, you know, because I, I, I asked, you know, a number of times. It's, it's, you know, after every special meeting, I, I reiterate. So. Uh, I don't know what to say. Well, that that's in, an important answer to me. So thank you. Uh, that was my only question. Okay. Uh to to the petitioner uh so you made a request to be added to the list and that request you made that to mr wolf and mr wolf only is is did, do i have that right no that's no oh. okay. the uh the, the first request was uh to Ms. Lizer at on February 1st, 2021, and that's exhibit one. Okay. Uh, that's six or seven on your packet. Got it. And okay. I didn't I didn't even uh Mr. Wolf uh was the one who initiated contact with me. I did not initiate contact with him. And okay. he used his uh full signature. With this chair. Okay. And you, other than the two of them, um, did you have any contact with anyone else associated with the task force uh, relevant to this 22116 complaint? No, it's uh, all my all my requests to be. Yeah, no, it's just uh, uh, exhibit three shows that the uh, um, thing also went to Mr. Yankee. And in your request... the email that Mr. Wolf, Wolf uh, emailed me on, but I didn't, I didn't CC Mr. Yankee or anything. I didn't include him on that. That was must have been Mr. Wolf that uh, included him. Okay. And and you still have not been added to the the list for special notice. Is that is that accurate? Well, as far as I know, there's no list. Yeah. But 
All I'm asking is to be noticed a special meeting. Every time a special meeting happens, because they happen at regular, so it's hard to keep track, you know? All the meetings yeah. I can keep track of. Okay, got it. All right. Okay, um, I don't. I don't have anything further. We have discussion before a motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can. Yeah, okay. So we may have more questions, but right now we're going to deliberate. I don't. I mean, I have some strong opinions on some of this. So, um, you know, on the one hand, there's, you know, we we're told there's no list. Um, Cheryl did consult with the with Victor Young from Board of Supervisors and said just direct people to the website to find out out about meetings. But not only is it part of the Sunshine Ordinance to say that people should be able to request being notified by writing, which could also be email of special meetings and so on. It's like in our own bylaws that we're supposed to do that, but we're not doing it and we're getting direction not to do it. We're getting direction to send people to a website instead, which seems like a problem administratively, right? So I want to just kind of raise that. But then again, this is not what this complaint is directly about. This complaint, I mean, it raises all this. And I think that this is, that would be a very valid complaint to say that we're not following our own bylaws and our own law about keeping a list so that, you know, because it's, it's hard, people don't know when to go and check a website. It totally makes sense to me that there would be some kind of mailing list for people who want to be on it and want to be kept updated. But then there's the second question of whether Member Wolf, um, you know, didn't respond to an information request. And I, I spent a lot of time kind of doing a little, you know, doing my little dive into that, looking at the good governance guide, um, trying to look at like, you know, what constitutes an information request and. I feel pretty convinced that the request, the alleged request here was not sufficiently clear and well-defined. It wasn't a clear and defined request for a public record. The statement that was made was, you know, if you don't think I'm local media, do you have a different definition? That to me is asking for a personal opinion not records pertaining to how the, it's not clear that that's records pertaining to how the SOTF or the city defines local media. So I would be very hesitant to say that there was a, a real information request at issue in here, but I would be willing to say that there is a issue of potential violation of um, 67.6F, but that was, you know, so that, that I think is where we should focus and maybe try to iron out what our own process is. Um, and then I just, you know, I think it's a bit complicated because, and I don't know if Mr. Sullivan is aware of this, but um, we, and, and maybe I'm going to state this wrong, but I feel like we don't directly supervise our administrator. We work with our administrator, but our administrator is directly supervised by people at the board of supervisors office. So it's not that we are dictating everything that our administrator does. Sometimes somebody else is dictating it and it may be at odds with what we think should be done. Yeah, my supervisor is just under the clerk of the board. Right. So that's whose direction yes. I have to follow. Yes, and I think that's just and not Victor, clear yeah, necessarily to the public. Yeah, and gets direction from her. But because he'd been doing this for so many years, um, I was relying on his expertise and experience to figure out if there's a list. I'm happy to facilitate that. But mm -hmm. if I'm being told something different, 
Well, clearly there is no list, but our own bylaws and our own law says that we should have one. So I feel like we should, we should have one. No. Okay, let me um, see if I can try to cover what whatever I can throw in on this, but uh, Member Stein, I think you pretty much got it right there. And um, the, the, the first thing is that it does seem like Mr. Sullivan has, has um, brought to us a problem. Uh, if the law says that there's supposed to be a provision for some kind of a special notice, then um, that is supposed to happen. And, you know, I don't know if a motion against uh, Bruce Wolf is necessarily going to result in um, the finding of a violation right arising out of that but on the other hand i do think that we need to take cognizance of this issue and it does need to be looked at to some extent uh by the task force i would also uh i i be, i would pretty much um be in agreement about the idea of the request for information being not quite um, specific enough to be the basis for a finding of a violation here. Uh, and and I, I think that this seems that it's even a little more personally distant from Chair Wolf than the prior item uh these seem like they really don't um there's nothing here i'm seeing that it rises to any question as to whether he could be found to have been in violation of anything here um so the question is you know what to do but i think i i'm generally in agreement and yeah, we somehow we got to figure out a way to satisfy that that provision of the the sunshine brown section. Yes, uh, Member Stein. I'm wondering if we might ask um, the petitioner if they would be willing to change the target of the violation to the SOTF or SOTF administrator. Oh. For a potential violation of 67.6 F, which clearly we haven't been following. I, I think that that would be worth sending to the task force um, and might streamline the case and make it less complicated because. You know, I don't see this as a violation on part of chair Wolf. He's not involved in this process really, even though he's suggesting his email might seem to suggest that it's his decision. It's not his decision. It's an administration administrative function that's being directed. By, you know, the board of supervisors office and. It's being directed that we don't follow this provision of our own law. 
So I feel like it would be more productive to send this to the full task force if it was just a violation against the SOTF um, or you know whoever should be maintaining those records at the SOTF um, were we to be following this provision of the government code. So I guess I'm asking the petitioner if they would object to changing the recipient of this um, alleged violation. So, uh, I just want to say that, uh, yeah, I have no problem with that. I did do that. I, I, I have a complaint against the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force, uh, and it was rejected. Because you guys don't hear complaints against yourself. And I also want to point out that in uh, Bruce's Wolf's uh, emails to me, I did not take it as him responding to me personally, because he put down Bruce Wolf. Chair, SF Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. So, as far as I was concerned, he's giving me an official response of some sort. So, wait. So, this idea that we can't, because we're, we said earlier that we thought we could hear complaints against ourselves, but you're saying you were told we could uh, not? No, no, no. no, no. your procedures. We, a, a complaint against the task force is one that there was, there was a, uh, decision and I, I remember myself voting against it but there was a decision that uh the, the task force will not hear uh complaints against the task force itself as opposed to an individual member oh that's that's the distinction my understanding so that's and, and so that's what mr sullivan was um he he brought this this is why you're getting these complaints yeah, I see. Okay, well, if that's I went to the ethics commission. I've been, okay. you know, everywhere. Well, if that's the case, then, um, then I would say that I don't know. This doesn't seem to be a correct complaint. There's no, um, there's no records request here that I think should qualify as a records request. I would, if we, I would send it. Well, either send it to the task force and recommend dismissing it or send it to the complaint, the um, consent calendar with the recommendation that it be dismissed. If, if I could um, suggest that even though it, it could belong on the consent calendar, I think that we should maybe not do that because um, I think that we want to do something which will put the substance before the task force of the the uh, the list issue. Okay. That's so maybe. Even though, you know, we could make a recommendation, I'd, I'm fine with making a recommendation uh, that we we recommend that the task force dismiss as to member Wolf. But I think we also should um, has, have the task force um, look at and whether there's a decision that arises out of it, I don't know, but look at and respond to um, 
Mr. Sullivan's uh, complaint about the lack of a list. Uh, yeah, uh, Ms. Lejay, you you want to comment on that? I just want to say that in the five years I've been doing this, Mr. Sullivan has been the only person from the media who has requested any kind of an agenda or information to be provided to them. We've had members of the media testify in our in our room here. Um, but right now, Mr. Solomon would be the only person on that list. Thank you. Thank you. And so we'll put you right at the top of the list. Number 1, Mr. Sullivan, when we make it. I mean, I personally think it'd be great to have that list for even non media people who are interested in like, you know, following the task force, but I, I don't know if you thought you did you make a recommendation or do you can I make a motion? Go ahead and make the motion. So I might make a motion. I would make a motion to recommend that or to say that these are public. Well, no, to say that um, the task force dismiss the complaint against member Wolf since there is no verifiable record request at issue, but have them look at whether there's a violation of 67.6 F of the sunshine ordinance. Um, which requires that the task force create a mailing list for people who want to receive notice of um, special meetings and their agendas. Second. Um, Mr. Chair, can I just make a, a clear? I just have to ask a clarification. Yes, on yes, that. you may. Um, just the the first part I get. The second part is your. Uh, it's a violation against who? Uh, it, it's so, just as it stands. But it's a violation against the task force. I mean, it, I think I think that we're. That, I'll, I'll ask Member Stein. I think that we're recommending to the task force that. Um, the the claim the allegations be dismissed against you all all allegations is that correct yeah and that we just look at this issue of whether we're follow you know if there's a violation of this policy and I'm not specifying against who because it's unclear to me like that we that this is really properly a complaint against anybody but yeah. I'm, I'm just asking about pronouns. So when you say we, you mean SOTF, correct? Yeah. I mean SOTF. SOTF. Yeah. Let's say SOTF. Yes. So so yeah, the, the recommendation is that the, the there be dismissal of anything against um, as against uh, member Wolf. Yeah. And, and I second the motion. Shall I read it back? Yeah. Sure. Uh, Member Stein moves that the task force recommends that the matter be dis matter against uh, member and all allegations against Member Wolf be dismissed and to 
look at a violation of 67.6 F of the ordinance, which requires the task force to create a mailing list to receive notice of special meetings and their attendance and their attendance. That's it. So something you missed at the beginning, and I was a little bit unsure of the language that was used there. Um, I basically said that the task force dismiss the complaint against member Wolf since there is no verifiable record request at issue. I just want to make sure that part doesn't get, you know, reviewed because it's just, or I mean, people can review it, but it's just there was no request there. Um, but we can add to that and all other allegations. You want to go to public comment? Yes, please. Any public commenters? As a reminder to those that would like to make public comment for this item, please dial star three to be added to the queue. There are currently no speakers to this item. All right, we can have a vote then. Member Stein? Aye. Member Stein, aye. Chair Schmidt? Aye. Chair Schmidt, aye. Member Sugarman? Absent. Thank you all. Okay, next item. Do you want to take a five minute break? Or? Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, five minute break. I have um, 737 right now. Okay, let's go to a quarter, quarter of 745, eight minute break. You said return at seven. Oh, it's going to be so action packed here today. Did you? Oh, did not. Yeah, this is this is where the action is, right? In this in this committee. Uh, your microphones are still live. Okay.
Recording has resumed. Uh, Chair Schmidt, are we ready for item number seven? Yes, please. Item number seven, file number 23058, complaint filed by Paul Neha against the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency for allegedly violating administrative code section 67.5 by failing to, to allow meetings to be open in public, 67.13 by failing to allow access to an open and public meeting, and 67.21 by failing to provide public records in a timely and or complete manner. It's the first time this case has been heard. All right. So, uh, petitioner Paul Neha, are you present? Uh, you know, one thing we didn't do the vote on the last action, did we? We didn't. Oh. Actually, let's go back. Uh, it was, uh, we didn't vote. Okay, well, let's vote on and then we'll item number six to the yeah, case, but we need to go back and vote in um, 22016. 22116. Two, two, one, one, six. All right. Member Stein? Aye. Member Stein, aye. Chair Schmidt? Aye. Chair Schmidt, aye. Member Sugarman? Not present. Okay, so we shall resume. The business of item number seven. Yeah. And, uh, and get the petitioner. We're trying to find if a uh, petitioner is present and available. That would be that would be Mr. Nehosh, sir. Are you available? Okay, I see him on an attendee list. Okay. Everyone has been unmuted. Thank you very much. All right, and also, um, do we have somebody here uh, on behalf of the SFMTA, or is it? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, yes, this is Hank Wilson from the SFMTA. Okay, okay, great. So uh, we will start. First, we'll have um, three minutes up to three minutes from uh, the petitioner when Cheryl's ready, and then we'll move on to respondent after that. Uh, Mr. Neha, you ready to begin speaking? Mr. Neha? Stephanie, can you unmute Mr. Neha? Because he, he's uh, he needs to speak now as petitioner. Yep, I am unmuted now. Thank you very much. All Mr. right, Neha. Uh, mm -hmm. Mr. Neha, are you ready to begin with your statement? Yes, I am. All right, you have three minutes. I'm going to start the uh, timer right now. Sounds good. Uh, on May 26, 2023, this SFMTA held a hearing with multiple violation of the procedures uh, and uh, the Brown Act. First, the SFMTA has failed to provide adequate notice to the public. The agency is required to post notices in the field 10 days in advance uh, and prepare an affidavit of postings that certified that the notices were properly posted. It is required that the affidavit is signed and dated by the persons who posted the notices and um, uh, 
uh, it's supposed to have copies of the pages that were posted attached to the affidavit. Only one affidavit has been submitted in 10 days prior to the hearing as required by SFMTA policy and two other ones were prepared after the actual hearing and after I actually requested the proof that the notices were posted in accordance with the rules. Second, during the meeting, uh, the hearing officer violated the provisions of Brown Act by implementing uh, the policy where I specifically was not allowed to provide comments uh, after my general questions were answered regarding a specific item. This change in policy was applied only to me and all other speakers were allowed to speak as much as they found necessary. Uh, I also have to add that I attended over 90 color curve hearings conducted by at least five different hearing officers and not a single time a speaker was barred or restricted to speak on any item on the agenda. For the context, the role of the hearing officer is to serve as a counterbalance to the powers of the staff representing SFMTA, and it is the obligation of the hearing officer to ensure that the members of the public have ample opportunity to receive the answers to their questions and provide comments regarding the items based on the responses to the clarifying questions. I quote Hakam Ibrahim during the public hearing, this is not an open forum. If we allow for any comments, if you have any questions, you should ask them now. Once we bring the team to answer them, we're closing the item and moving on to the next item. And I'm not coming back to you a second time. However, at this very meeting, uh, Mr. Ibrahim allowed other speakers who were in favor of the items proposed by the, the SFMT to speak multiple times. Under the Brown uh, Act, the public is guaranteed the right to provide testimony at any regular special meeting uh, on any subject which uh, will be considered by the legislative body before or during its consideration of the item. The act provides that the legislative body shall not prohibit a member of the public from criticizing the policies, procedures, programs, or services of the agency or the act uh, or of the act or missions of the legislative body. Administrative code uh, says that uh, policy bodies must apply time limits uniformly to members of the public. For example, individual speakers favoring uh, one side of the issue may not be given more time than individual speakers on the opposite side and California government code that uh, says that a meeting is a limited public forum and policy body must give broad range to a speaker's right of self-expression so long as the comment relate to the specific agenda item or under general public comment to uh, under the jurisdiction of the body. Uh, third, the staff is required to read each item to- uh, Sir, your time okay. is up. If you could uh, just uh, wrap up, yeah. I have uh, one last item. Uh, yes. Sorry, I'll try to be specific. Go ahead, go ahead. Third, the staff is required to read each uh, subject item to the record completely, including the legal description of the location of each proposed zone change. This requirement serves two important functions. One, it uh, puts on the record the technical specifications of the proposed zone change, and it provides members of the general public or visually impaired or can read for other reasons with the information that they have a right to know. Failure to read the complete legal description of the proposed change is the violation of American Disabilities Act. Given the multiple violations, I'd like to request the results of the public hearings are nullified and another hearing is held. I also believe that it is the interest of general public that Mr. Hakam Ibrahim does not facilitate any uh, color curve hearings in the future. That's all. Thank you. And sorry that Thank I you. ran over. That's all right. Um, okay. Uh, now, next, um, we can hear from the respondent. Your name, sir? Hi, my name is Hank Wilson. Hank Wilson. I work at the SFMTA. Okay, just a moment, sir. Are you ready, sir? I am. 
Go ahead. Thanks, uh, task force members, for taking the time today. Uh, my name is Hank Wilson, and I lead the car management team at the SFMTA. And part of the job of my team is to administer the color curb hearing that Mr. Knihau was referring to. It's a monthly hearing where we hear um, mostly applications from businesses to put loading zones in front or short-term parking zones near or in front of their businesses. Um, it's administered by a hearing officer. And then there's also a staff person from my team who is in attendance to read uh, items into the record and answer questions that may come up um, during the hearing. Um, we've been advised by the deputy city attorney that this hearing is not subject to the Brown Act, and thus this task force doesn't have jurisdiction because it's hosted by, it's held by a single hearing officer. It's not a legislative body uh, with multiple people uh, meeting and risking talking uh, to each other without the public being aware. Um, and uh, I will point out that a lot of the a lot of the things that Mr. Kniha says are required are not actually required, at least as far as we understand. Um, he talked about uh, an affidavit of posting uh, being signed. It is required that we post notice of the hearing in the area where we're making changes out on the street. Um, that's in the San Francisco Transportation Code, and we do that, and we do that before every hearing. Uh, there's no requirement that we that the folks who are doing that posting actually sign an affidavit. Uh, when Mr. Kaniha requested it, um, I think similar to uh, an earlier item on this uh, agenda where someone requested something, this body, the task force thought, that's actually a good idea. We should we should create that document. And so we had the same thought. That's a good idea. We should create it. We created affidavits for that, the posting for the hearing that Mr. Kaniha is complaining about. And then we uh, have been doing affidavits uh, on the on the hearing sense because we do think it makes makes good sense. Um, the uh, I, again, uh, Mr. Kaniha said that staff is required to reach um, e read each item into the record in in full detail. I'm not aware of any requirement um, in that regard. The the um, items are posted, uh, like I said, on um, telephone poles or utility poles in the area where changes are made. They're also posted on the SFMTA website. They're also posted on the screen. Uh, for folks who are tuning in um, virtually, and then staff will will read uh, a shorthand version of the item. So they will say, "Item number twelve is about a passenger loading zone on the block of Pine Street between Fillmore and Webster." Um, to give a, a general idea of the location that we're talking about. Um, so again, I don't think that there's any requirement in that regard. There was one other section of the um, complaint that Mr. Kniha didn't refer to, um, where he requested a transcript of the color of the May 26 color curb hearing. Um, we didn't produce a transcript because one doesn't exist, and as far as we know, we're not required to keep a transcript. But we do keep an audio visual recording of the hearing, and we did turn that over to Mr. Kniha in response to his request. So thanks very much. All right, thank you. Okay, now. Uh, there may be questions that we may ask of the parties. Uh, this is the time when members uh, may have questions. Uh, Member Stein, I've got one that. Um, yeah, let, let me just start with a quick question uh, for for Mr. Neha. Uh, did you? Is it part of your claim that there are any documents 
that you requested that have not yet been produced to you? Maybe muted. We're not hearing you. If we speak. His hand is up. I wonder if, uh, yeah, I we can't hear Mr. Neha. Not sure. Stephanie, we can't hear Mr. Neha, the petitioner. Stephanie, we are not hearing from Mr. Neha. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was muted, so I couldn't unmute. It says I can't unmute myself. So oh. yes, I did. Um, I did also request uh, the uh, records of uh, training that uh, Mr. Ibrahim has received regarding the procedure, regarding the procedures uh, uh, that he's uh, required to uh, follow and the rules that he's required to follow when he's conducting a public hearing. But uh, that information was not turned uh, turned into me. So uh, I would consider that a separate item, um, and I wanted to hear to hear it at the same hearing, but as a separate item. Okay, and um, to to the respondent, I'll ask you about those documents. Is it your understanding that there are any documents that exist in your agency's possession? that have not yet been produced that were requested? Well, that, that's a tough one to answer because Mr. Kaniha has made um, dozens of public records requests to us lately. Um, and I don't know exactly the status of all of those. Not all of those are directed at me or my staff. Um, I think the, the, the training documents that Mr. Kaniha referred to, that's that's not a, a records request that has come across my desk, I think, because it wasn't directed at me. Um, but it, as far as I can tell, it is it is a separate request that's not um, covered by this particular uh, task force complaint. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm gonna uh, hand over to Member Stein. Any questions? Yeah. So there are at least three public records requests that are referenced in the petitioner's um, file. And I'm just wondering if the petitioner can specify the exact record request that he that he believes is at issue here and what its number is. Uh, 
We're not hearing anything. I wonder if there's a, a muting going on again. And I'll just add that even though there are three different requests that are mentioned um, in the respondents information, they reference one specific request, which is 23-3041. Is that the correct request that you believe is at issue is my question for the petitioner. Um, yeah, so uh, this is the, this is the I don't have the exact uh, number of the request. I can uh, uh, look this it was up right the now. Request for all communications around the public hearing, but I don't remember it specifically asking for details about um, how hearings are conducted. Uh, yeah, so, like I said, uh, those are 2 separate issues. So, uh, it just, uh, for some reason, they just happen to be. Bundled into 1 item, but they're actually 2 separate issues. I wanted both of them heard at the same hearing, but as a separate items. So, uh, 1 item uh, is specifically the, uh, the violations during the public hearing. And the 2nd item that I wanted to do to, uh, to be heard is. Uh, the, uh, I specifically requested specific, um, uh, records of training that, uh, uh, that, uh, Mr. Ibrahim has received, uh, in order to conduct these hearings. And, uh, um, and all I received is, uh, like the records of him, uh, getting, um, like a safe driving force and stuff like that. But there was nothing that, uh, indicated, um, um, anything, uh, any kind of training that he received in, uh, this specific subject matter. So that's the separate item that I wanted to be heard. Okay. Um, hang on. And then let's see, I had another question for the petitioner. Um, what evidence did you provide in the packet to show that time limits during this meeting were not applied uniformly? Um, so the public hearing uh, itself, there is a recording of the public hearing. And uh, uh, even though the uh, Teams meetings, uh, they have an automated feature of uh, transcribing the um, uh, all, everything that is being said. So that's what I requested so I can add it to the um, uh, and as an evidence. So, uh, it's not currently in the packet, right? Yeah, SFMTA says it doesn't exist, but. Um, well, the transcript doesn't exist, but the recording yeah. of the meeting exists. Yes, it does. But yes. you haven't and given us specific examples from the meeting to show us that time limits so, were not. So uh, I, uh, I provided, uh, provided a quote uh, where Mr. Ibrahim says that uh, he will not allow me to speak second time, but. Uh, but maybe he didn't um, allow other people to speak a second. Like we can't talk allow, the packets. But yes, so there's no evidence in the packet. But um, uh, from the recording, um, it can be seen that or can be heard that he is allowing other people to speak multiple times times on the same item. And then a question for the respondent. Um, see, I'm not even sure this is the uh, same public records request. But the, um, I'm wondering, do you do you know which public records request, which number it is that has to deal that deals with the trainings, and can you walk us through the timeline of what your response to that request was? 
Uh, yeah, this is Hank Wilson. Uh, unfortunately, I I can't. I I don't know. I'm not familiar with that public records request for the trainings because I think as Mr. Kenny has said, it was directed at um, Mr. Ibrahim, who's a, a hearing officer at SFMTA and um, works in a different division. And, and in fact, the hearing officers are very intentionally sort of walled off from the policy staff. Okay. Um, I think that's, that was my only, those are my questions. Sure. Uh, it responded, Mr. Wilson, um, tell me a little bit more about the hearing officer. Um, wh where does the, where does the, the hearing officer, um, you said they're walled off. Uh, what what is their position within the SFMTA other than doing these hearings? And I, I'll just say to start with specifically this hearing officer. Um, you know, I. That's a good question. Can you all still hear me? Can, can anybody hear me? I lost a video there and I can't hear anything now. Hello? Hi, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, 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 the question for Mr. Wilson. Okay, sorry, the, the video went went blank there on, oh. on the task force. Um, so, you know, again, I'm I'm certainly not an expert in, in the structure of the, the hearing um, officer side of the SFMTA. I know that they do, they help conduct hearings like the color curve hearing, uh, like our engineering public hearing where we talk about parking and traffic changes. They also are, they also are the folks who review um, citations and um, like protested citations. So if you get a parking ticket and you want to contest it, it goes, I think, to our adjudication division. And then if you want to go one step higher than that you go to a hearing and you're heard by one of these hearing officers um, and then if you don't like the result that you get from the hearing officer then you can take it to um, the superior court um, so that's another one of the roles that hearing officers have uh, but you know it, with respect to the these public meetings their role is to call the meeting to order then to, to close the meeting when it's done to call upon um, folks who are going to speak to enforce things like time limits for speakers, um, very similar to what uh, a board or a commission secretary would do, um, but they're the only person who's the only sort of official person who's hosting the meeting. Um, You're saying that the hearing officer doesn't make any decisions during this kind of hearing. That's correct. Um, but who, who does make decisions? So in that case, um, in the case of the color curb hearing, the the city traffic engineer will make the ultimate decisions. Um, Transportation code section 201, I believe, lays out the different kinds of parking and traffic changes that can be made um, and, and who can make those decisions and how much, you know, what kind of hearing is necessary. So there's some things that the city traffic engineer can do without a hearing. There's some things that the city traffic engineer can decide after a hearing. And then there are some things that need to be decided by 
the MTA board of directors. Okay, so um, the the hearing officer is sort of uh, administratively running the show at this, but the the decision maker is the engineer. Is that correct? The, the city traffic engineer, correct. C city traffic engineer. It's okay. A, it's a, a specific position that's laid also laid out in transportation. It's a the, the city traffic engineer makes a sequence of decisions based on the information that's set forth during these hearings. Correct. That's correct. Okay. And and also, I mean, of course, we would we're happy to take comments and questions and support and opposition in, in any other way. Um, you okay. know, people call in and email and all the time, even if it's not in the context of a specific public hearing. And with these decisions that this engineer would make, uh, do any of these then have to go to the board for, for final approval? Right, so like I said, the section 201 of the transportation code lays out that has those essentially those 3 lists of the things that. The city traffic engineer can decide without a hearing and then the things that the city traffic engineer decides after a hearing and then there are things that the city traffic engineer does not have the final call on the MTA board of directors has the final call. Okay, so is it your understanding that on on the what we're looking at here today that. These are in that middle category of they, the engineer cannot make these without a hearing. So therefore there has to be a hearing. On the other hand, the engineer makes a decision and it doesn't need to go to the SFMTA. Is that your understanding of what this category decisions are? Yes. Okay. Okay. Got it. And so your understanding is that the the city traffic engineer involved in these hearings makes that decision and that decision is then um uh final correct um in most cases the, there are some there uh, about, I don't know exactly how many years ago, a few years ago, the Board of Supervisors amended the transportation code to say that there are some types of decisions that can be appealed to the Board of Supervisors. And those that list of, of those types of parking and traffic changes that can be appealed to the Board of Supervisors don't necessarily fit neatly into those three buckets of the three lists of things. So, so there can be things that I don't. I don't know all of them off the top of my head, but but like okay, I said, that, I think that's fine. That's fine. Types of things that can be changed. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. I don't think I have any other questions for the parties. Member Stein, last chance. No, nothing. Okay. So we're now going to uh, deliberate, and basically, we're we're looking at. Are, are there document issues here? Uh, do we have a Brown Act, not not Brown Act, but Brown Act Sunshine? Do we, do we have a Sunshine Brown issue? And, uh, you know, we have heard 
that the respondent claims that there there can't be a public meetings issue here because this is not a legislative body, police policy body, and that may be the case, but we can't really make a final call here. We're just deciding whether these issues should be taken up at the full task force and if we have any recommendations, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, Member Stein, uh, any initial thoughts? Um, my initial thoughts are, I think it's difficult to go forward with a 6721 violation for timeliness when the relevant complaint at issue doesn't appear to be in this packet. Um, and, um, I don't, I don't know where it is, but it doesn't seem to be here. Mm. Um, the complaint about the trainings, getting information about the trainings. I don't see it in the packet. Okay. Um, and then, um, my sense is there is, you know, it, it probably isn't a public hearing since it's not a legislative or a policy body, but I'm not sure where that leaves us in terms of what we want to do with the. Bringing it to the task force. Uh, well, it says that you believe that, excuse me, there's, there's a request, a written request that would describe training materials and that it was the subject of a complaint to the task force, which is I guess this complaint, but it doesn't seem to be ha to have been submitted to this person to this. Uh... Yeah, it was my thought that maybe. And it's, I don't, I don't see it in the packet. There are 3 complaints in the packet, but I didn't see 1 that seemed like it covered. The... You know, how people are trained for this. Yeah, that's and what the rules are for this. And I, I was, I'm, I was myself. Sort of seeing that as being that. Maybe Mr. Neha is thinking of, of one of the other requests he's made for training materials, but it actually this this complaint to two three oh five eight may actually not have included any of the training material requests. I don't know. That was just my reading of it. Maybe I'm not seeing something. Okay, I I don't know, but you're saying that maybe we need to line that up somehow. What do you, what do you, do you think that? I mean, there doesn't, if, if it's the request that the um, respondent says is at issue here, then there seems to be no remaining, you know, that everything was supplied and the petitioner didn't seem to have anything to say to otherwise about the request that seems to be the request at issue here. Mm -hmm. So I'm just not sure that we need to look at a violation there. Mm -hmm. I'm not, but it, I have to say this packet is really confusing to me because there were so many records, you know, three records requests in here. It's not clear which one we're supposed to be taking up. Um, yeah, so I, I don't, <laughs> I'm a little confused at this point. Um, I, yeah, I didn't think that 
I I was not really seeing anything very powerful in terms of the documents. I mean, I I thought that this basically involved the 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 um, posting notices, and maybe they came in late, so we've got a a timing issue. Uh, but eventually they were produced. Um, in terms of the the hearing itself, um, I, I will just note to Mr. Nia that we don't do we don't nullify here. We don't have the po power to change the results of any kind of hearing. The only thing that we do is we we decide what was there uh, a violation of um, the, the, the 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 law with regard to documents, the law with regard to meetings, but we can't order a nullification, and that's something that well. Technically, people go to court to do that kind of thing, but that's not something that we do here. We may be able to find that there's a violation, but I don't know if that helps you to get anything rescinded. Um, I think that there might be a factual question as to whether it, well, whether the notices were properly posted, it sounds like there's a contention that they weren't properly posted, but SFMTA says, uh, no, that there's, that there's no requirement that they be posted in a certain way. We do it voluntarily. And I'm not saying that I'm agreeing with either side on that. It's not something we can decide here today. And we can, you know, make a determination as to what we think and make a recommendation, but ultimately a decision may have to be made by the task force on that kind of issue. And also on the issue of whether this is even a brown sunshine kind of meeting because this is a single hearing officer. And it really does look like single hearing officer means no, it's not brown. It's not sunshine. So that's why I was asking questions about whether, you know, whether this hearing officer was just sort of doing a preliminary screening on behalf of a larger body. And it doesn't seem like that's what was going on here. And so, but, but again, we can't, you know, we, as a committee, we don't make the final decisions. I don't necessarily see a strong case that there were brown sunshine violations with regards to how the meeting was conducted. I'm not necessarily seeing any problems with that. I'm not seeing anything obvious with regards to documents. I agree with Member Stein that there may be something that's, it's either, it's, it's the file is by nature confused 
or maybe it's just got to be cleared up before this thing goes before the full task force. I don't know, but it's unclear as to whether training documents were even requested with regards to what we're sitting here looking at here today. Can I just add to that? If this case does go forward, I think it's very important for the petitioner to really try to show and direct us to specific parts in you know, to be able to give us a tell us where where we can see a copy of this recording and tell us some specific parts where you you can show that the time limits were not applied uniformly it's you can't just sort of state it you need to really point us to the evidence so i want to just recommend that if it goes forward that you consider putting that into the packet because it would help your case potentially. Yeah, you would need to be more specific about um, why it is that you believe um, certain people were treated differently than other people. And you'd have to have some kind of factual basis for that as opposed to, I, you know, something of the nature of, well, I just know it happened because I saw it. Something more specific than that. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, I I um, don't know how much we can steer this in terms of what we tell the task force. Um, Maybe they should consider whether it's a public hearing, to, whether a legislative or policy body is involved, and probably not. I, I mean, I don't know what to do about the records request because I it's just so confusing, but to to focus on the public hearing part of it and, and whether this is a you know whether they want to <laughs> deciding whether this is a public hearing first and foremost. And then if they do believe it's a public hearing to look at whether um you know uh regulate way it was regulated was applied uniformly. Okay, I'll make a motion. Um, I was unmuted. Does that mean I can speak or? Oh, uh, you, yeah, you're unmuted, but we're, we're, we're basically at the decision stage. So, but thank you for answering our questions. So what we're going to do is, is I'm going to make a motion here to send this uh, to the full task force. I believe that um, these are. This was a meeting that took place in in a in a public um, office. I'm not saying that necessarily means it's covered as a public meeting per se uh, under the Brown Act or the Sunshine Act. Uh, and we we have jurisdiction. There were public documents here. We have jurisdiction over those. We, we, my motion is that we send this to the full task force with two emphases. First, to determine as a threshold issue whether the hearing here 
falls under sunshine or the Brown Act provisions at all. Two, it is important to match up the specific document request or requests that are actually at issue here with the claims that certain documents have not been produced that are specifically made. Specifically? That are specifically made. Issue here with certain claims or with claims made that certain documents have not been produced. Yeah. <laughs> of certain documents not produced. But I would say with claims made rather than claims and then that happened me having that dingling modifier at the end is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> so that is my motion. Okay, I'll second it. Shall I read it back? Yep. Okay. Uh, moved by Chair Schmidt to send this matter to the task force with two emphases. First, to determine as a threshold issue whether the hearing falls under the Sunshine or the Brown Act provisions at all. Second, uh, it is important to match up the specific document request or requests that are at issue here with the claims made that certain documents have not been produced. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Public. That's something the petitioner should pay attention to and maybe try to clarify with some kind of submission which public records request he believes is at issue in this. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm just saying this to the petitioner. Okay. Um, that you would make a stronger case if you had just one records request that in there and it was germane to um, whatever you have requested of um, ugh, where's the top of this of the SFMTA with regards to this complaint. I, and again, the, the motion's already stated. Yeah, second. The motion is so there. This is just. To, Asking the petitioner yeah. to this is for the discussion. Yeah. yeah, and I'll just say that. However, the the um, sunshine complaint that was numbered two three zero five eight. However, that came in uh, to the office from Mr. Neha. That will be the answer to. I think what the scope of the documents requested are that can be determined and looked at in this in this two three zero five eight as it goes forward.
I think we're ready for public comment on this. Uh, Ms. Cabrera, do we have any public commenters? Only the claim complainant has raised their hand. Yeah, no, no, no public comment. Other, the, the, the parties can't make public comment. Um, and so it sounds like we don't have anyone who's eligible who wishes to make public comments. So let's. I, I think we know how we're going to resolve this and it's going to, if the vote doesn't change, we'll be sending it forward to the task force. So let's have a vote. Uh, Chair Schmidt. Aye. Chair Schmidt, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Sugarman, absent. Thank you to the parties. Uh, we can uh, move on to uh, the next matter. Item number eight, file number 23062, complaint filed by Stillian Bajanski against the Treasurer and Tax Collector's Office for allegedly violating administrative code section 6721 by failing to provide responsive records in a timely and or complete manner. All right. Uh, is uh, Mr. Bajanski here uh, present today? I have muted both participants. We have Christopher Terrell and a non-participant listener. Okay, is uh, is is Stillian Bajanski present? Not here. It looks like there okay. online now. Okay, got it, got it. All right. Um, if if uh, Mr. Bajanski is doesn't show up within the next minute um i think we'll probably be um what, what's the terminology uh the petitioner was not present tabling it or something and we will table the matter for complaint procedure 7b okay and uh Yeah, I'll um, I'll just uh, make one more uh, request, just because technology you never know. But uh, Mr. It sounds like there's we know that Stillian Bajanski is not here, and so uh, at this at this point, I think we um, will table this. Uh, I will make a motion to table the matter uh, according to the. Um, the rules. Uh, Member Stein, you're going to second? Yeah, I second that. Public comment is next. Yeah. Uh, Ms. Cabrera, do we have any public commenters? There are no public commenters for this item. All right, All right let's vote. Chair Schmidt? Aye. 
Chair Schmidt, aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Sugarman, absent. Okay, we have one more item. Okay, and this is a discussion item number nine. Go ahead and call it. Okay, item number nine, discussion proposing edits to expedite complaint process per ordinance requirements. This is a continuing uh, discussion we had last month, right? From uh, yes. September. Yes. And um, what I think that we ought to do is I, I want to actually have some of this discussion today. And it is continuing from last month. But because um, the third member of the, this committee is not here, I think maybe we were hoping that they would be here. And so we wanted to leave some of the discussion for that time, but maybe this should be put over. However, uh, Member Stein, I know, has some good information on this, and I might be able to chime in once or twice with um, a, a, a decent idea or two that I've had. Uh, before we get into the discussion, um, I did try and text uh, Member Sugarman to find out if he what he missed or why. Is he okay? I haven't heard anything. Okay. Yeah, I, I was pretty sure from the last time uh, the full task force that, because I, I was just thinking of this. He said he wasn't going to be here. So, he yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And so I, I was anticipating that. Okay. So I was just trying to think through this again in like a different way and just think about what are the core questions that we might want to try to answer to help us come to an idea of how to make the procedure better. Um, and so the first question I had was, you know, does a complaint need to go to committee at all? What is the value added to the process of going to committee? Um, and what is the purpose of hearing it in committee ideally? Right now, we have this sort of three-pronged thing um, in our procedures that it goes to committee to decide if it's public info under our jurisdiction and see if we have recommendations to make, right? Um, but two of those things, if it's public information under our jurisdiction, you know, it's rarely do we really decide it here, even if it's up for debate and the real question is is it up for debate or not right and so if it's not even up for debate then does it need to go to the committee to just sort of reconfirm that right so it seems like option one is we can let the committee uh well actually i should say um you know thinking about what is the value added of committee you know we also have that we can talk about if there's missing information or incomplete files which we kind of did tonight for instance um we can make public recommendations, look at jurisdiction, um, and in theory, we could make determinations, but that's not what we do right now. But that, that seems like the kind of range of things we could potentially do. So I was thinking like one option is we can think of committee as a place where you sort of triage cases, deciding which require full hearings, um, which we could possibly vote determinatively on if it doesn't require a full hearing. Um, you know, or, you know, what we need to forward and option 2 is let the, let the, the full SOTF triage the cases and decide which require full hearings, which simply can be voted on 
um, without a hearing process. So it's just that question of like, what is the purpose of committee? Right? And ideally, and where do we think there's value added? And then another question is, um, you know, if we were to think about deciding some cases determinative, determinatively in committee, um, what, what would be the criteria? You know, for those cases that we could decide determinatively, and I think we've talked about this already a little bit, but, you know, we talked about, for instance, cases in which all records have been provided where there's no dispute over jurisdiction or public records. We could go beyond that and say something like, oh, maybe we only want to decide cases that are purely about timeliness because there's often a clear um, picture there. Fact, fact based picture, like, was it timely or was it not timely? Or maybe we want to say something like, oh, there has to be unanimity among committee members. But the core question here is, like, what could we decide determinatively and what would need to be the, um, you know, kind of requirements for that? Um, Laura, I'm having trouble hearing you. Oh, um, you know, what? So, what cases could we potentially decide determinatively or maybe alternatively a question would be what cases can we not decide determinatively right and have sort of a set of stipulations for that like cases where there's significant doubt and complexity or cases where the law is vague or unclear um, cases where there's a lack of unanimity questions or disputes of jurisdiction or questions or disputes of the public nature of the documents but then in that case we would know some of that in advance and it wouldn't even necessarily have to go through committee um, if outstanding documents exist or if disputed redactions exist, maybe those are things that we can just triage right out of committee and not have to uh, look at. And we also probably want to think about, you know, what kind of safeguards exist if something is decided determinatively in committee. Is it still something we want to send to a consent committee for, you know, possibly pulling it? Obviously, there's still an appeals process. Um, and then I just had this question of, you know, can some cases just be fast tracked to the full SOTF if they meet certain criteria and just, you know, not go through a committee again? Um, I mean, it's another way to kind of think about it. So, you know, if there are cases where there's significant disputes about jurisdiction or public nature of records, maybe that doesn't, you know, maybe that's a checkoff item for the respondent. And if they check it off that they dispute it, just send it to the full SOTF. Why have it go through committee first? And that would you know, cut down on the time it takes. So those were kind of the ways I'm I'm thinking about the main questions right now. Uh, just one little little point. You said something about an appeals process. I don't know what that is. Well, I mean, if we make a decision determinatively, there's always been, even if it's made by the full SOTF, that petitioners can appeal that decision, right? If there's new information or... Um, you know, facts that come up. You mean a reconsideration? Access. I guess I'm talking about reconsideration. Yeah. So I don't a know. New it's... facts. That's not an appeal. It's a new fact. Yeah, I guess it's not an appeal. Situation. So I guess I'm just saying, okay. yeah, then, you know, what safeguards would we have? And maybe it's the unanimity. Maybe it's like it meets certain stipulations. Maybe there are no safeguards or second chances. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it just goes to reconsideration like any other case would go if there's a, perp a reason to reconsider. Okay. And maybe I'm thinking about this wrong. I don't know. But these were just, I felt like if we could answer these questions, maybe we would find the elegant yeah. solution. Well, the, the one, th well, 
one thought I have, and I, I think that to me, the 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 forty five day rule, it's it's a rule, and that's important. And to me, it's a concept. It's a principle. It's it's to me almost like the way things should be. And so that is, is, and I know that like, it's so far from what happens right now. It's, it's almost like different universes. In terms of what a committee does with a case I think that the way it works right now is it, it it makes very little sense to me. The committee, to me, either has to do a lot less or a lot more. I'm not sure which. Um, it might be that partly because I think to get to vote for it. People seem to like committees and the idea of committees. I mean, I was thinking that some of these things could be done without it be, being called a committee process. Um, but maybe one different way of constructing this that was not in last year's proposals, but it would sort of dovetail with what you had just said, Member Stein, and what we also talked about last time is the idea that the the committee becomes almost like the it 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 becomes the review triage it's triage um it's it's review and i i really like the idea of taking the initial review and not having it be you know people come into hearings and they all get to talk and then everyone has gives public comment. No, 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 no. We could have meetings in, in a public forum, but we could do a lot of what we've got to do and people could sit and watch us if they want, but that's not going to be very fun for them, but that's their call. But we would be basically, you know, say conceptually taking you know, say this month's 20 cases. Once we got up to date, 20, 25, 15, whatever, and we say, what are we going to do with every single one? And like you said, we'd have guidelines. Um, we probably need to come up with some kind of language for how we categorize cases. Um, maybe we would have, you know, like six or seven categories of cases. Delay only. Uh, 
you know, documents already produced. Um, and then on the other hand, novel, you know, novel legal question uh, would be, or, or maybe, you know, we have something that you see in courts where it's like significant issue, you know, something where we, we would not necessarily say, oh, we're going to have a committee hearing for this. No, instead we'd say, no, this needs to go to the full task force, done gone and then once it's ready but hoping that it goes fast to the full task force i mean i hoping that every single one of them moves fast whether it's going to the full task force or not but that triage step in, in a way we'd be doing less than what we're doing here because we'd have we wouldn't have people talking we'd say you submit it on your papers and then we'll decide how this is going to move forward maybe we would take some of the cases and say let that we keep them in this committee or send them to another committee but other cases we just send them right to that task force right to a consent calendar or we make some that we might decide um it, it seems like we could we, we could create some categories where we have a rule that allows us in the complaint committee to decide certain cases and they could be decided without a hearing potentially they're just decided based on the packet from the petitioner the respondent presuming it's clear on the papers yeah without a hearing yeah but then maybe there needs yeah. to be some kind of process where if the ruling is against a petitioner and the petitioner is unhappy with the ruling maybe some kind of they can request to have it heard by the full task force and we could you know and the full task force could decide if they want to hear the whole thing that that's uh that would be problematic to me why because everyone who doesn't get what they want will make that request but the task force could look at it and decide we believe this warrants a hearing or we don't believe this warrants a hearing. But that that then then we have just we've just like the the problem with that is that it it kind of like puts back in everything that we were trying to cut out in that step but where we I mean, I, I, unless there's a specific standard, but you're basically, I guess, saying that then there's a discretionary move, but then the ta full task force has to read the whole file to decide whether they want to grant this thing. Whereas what I'm saying, okay, let me, let me put it this way. There is nothing in the ordinance that says that every single case gets a hearing. That's true, but it does say that a member can request, I mean, a petitioner can request a hearing. Yes. Right? And so what all we're doing is we're deciding at a committee level 
we think this needs a hearing. We think this doesn't need a hearing, potentially making a decision, but then it still gives the task force. Yeah, they could still decide that it needs a hearing as a. As a kind of fail safe process, I do also just want to mention that that we. Decide in favor last year, just based on the annual report, we decide in favor of the petitioner, like 90% of the time. So it's not that there's going to be probably tons and tons of cases where the petitioner, where it's again ruled against the petitioner and the petitioner, you know, and all they're doing is still holding on to that right to request a hearing. But now instead of the committee deciding, the task force would have to reaffirm that. We don't need a hearing or we do need a hearing to decide this. Like, we agree with this decision or we don't, you know, we think it's problematic and we need a hearing at the full task force level. And as it is already, the full task force has to read every case. So the, we're now narrowing it down to some very much smaller subset of cases that we've ruled against where they want a hearing. And then that has to be read by the full task force. That's the only. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I don't know in practice that it would be as many cases as one might think. That would, you know, they might all ask for it, but then that would be maybe 10% of. But the other thing I do want to mention is that's a, that's a very good point that that. A lot of the cases that would be summarily, not summarily, but would be decided by the complaint committee might be decided for a complainant and you probably would not have the respondent coming in asking for a whole new process. No, it's not the respondent, it's the petitioner would have to ask for the process. So you're saying a respondent couldn't ask for a new, uh, to, to have the whole task force you would only give that to the, the petitioner? Isn't that how reconsideration works, for instance? It's the petitioner that can ask for reconsideration. I didn't think it was the respondent who could ask for reconsideration. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but but remember, reconsideration is different. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. really important. I, I, I think you got a strong point where you say the 90, 90%, 10%. Um, sure. And the only other thing I wanted to say is, like, you talked about, like, doing the triage when we have, like, 20, 25 cases. I can't imagine trying to plow through 20, 25 cases. <laughs> to, I mean, I think it would have to be distributed. I think the cases would have to be distributed among more committees. It could be. To process. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's hard to read more than, you know. Six cases in the five days that we have, yeah, between receiving a packet and having a meeting. Like, yeah. I wouldn't up that number too much, but maybe I would um, fan out the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. Basically, it, it's based on whatever comes in in one month. If, if actually we're trying to stay on the schedule that the ordinance requires then every month you kind of have to get on it mm -hmm. and so someone somebody's got to like get it 
to where a determination and an order would potentially be made. And so, yeah, it could be that like, it's not all going through this complaint committee. Maybe it'd be farmed out elsewhere and they, you sort of have some uniform standards for like, what are the piles? What are the buckets that you throw? You know, this one goes up there, this one goes over there, this one goes over there. Um, yeah, I guess that's that's right. The prep doesn't really, for anyone who's preparing to decide one of these, you still have to read the file. So that doesn't, you don't save any time on that. We're just trying to like save time on people just telling us what we already know and- And prevent cases from effectively being heard twice, even though the first time like no decision can really be made. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. The, the no decision committee and then useless public comment, which does, it, it's just there because we have too many hearings of the same thing. Yeah. I, okay. But I haven't obviously totally thought it through and like if you would have an appeal or how that would make sense. So that's, you know, that's yeah. definitely something to continue thinking. About. Yeah, that that's a, that's a weird one to me. I mean, I understand that you're right. If it, if it, if it turns out that it's not that often, um, it's just petitioners. Maybe it just doesn't happen that often, and it doesn't become uh, an issue. Um, although I'd hate to have it be that people know that they've just got an automatic ability to, like, oh well, I'll just appeal it, kind of thing, you know? Because then, then they don't really set it up like seriously for that. Get your order in the forty-five days, because one of the things I think we're trying to do in this sort of like conceptual universe that we're talking about is that, you know, someone files one of these sunshine complaints and it's like game on, you know, like, okay, well, we're, you know, you're looking at 45 days. So you got to get your stuff in and because we're going to get you an order in 45 days and they're suddenly on the clock. And they may say, whoa, 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 I, I just wanted the six month plan. I don't want the 45 day plan. Of course, then there's waivers. I know they used to do like waivers of time. Maybe we give people, you know, the ability to waive time and let it take, you know, a lot longer than 45 days. Like request continuances and things. Or, well, yeah, they, for, for the for the petitioner. Um, Although to me, the 45 days, I'm not sure if legally to me, a petitioner even has a right to waive a, 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 because that shall might be a jurisdictional requirement to me. And I, I think that the respondent may actually be entitled and the public may be entitled to a process that goes really fast. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the original design was. And, and maybe no appeal. It's not even. It's not mentioned anyway, right? It's in the in the in and, the and, ordinance. You know, no, you know, there's nothing mentioned about how like you have to have the whole. All the members have to have some 
Yeah, there isn't. Boat on everything. That's not mentioned anywhere. That's 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 like added on by people who had their ideas later on. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I guess I was thinking about it only because I just anticipate this objection that, oh, well, three people should not be deciding it or some smaller committee should not be deciding it. And what if, yeah. you know, this larger committee had a, I mean, this larger task force had perspectives as smaller committees don't have, but if you have the right criteria um, in place, then maybe it doesn't need to be something that you offer appealability because you don't have to give a hearing anyway you're just supposed to make a determination and so you've you've decided this is the process to make the determination yeah i i mean i to me like it's a luxury we can't afford to to give everyone all this extra due process now we certainly hear complaints on a regular basis for from petitioners about how they didn't get the information when they needed it they've spent Two years trying to get this case heard, or yeah. you know, whatever it is, we hear that so often, and um, that I think is really important to rectify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just that that's I think the one thing that I think is like the most the biggest injustice that I'm seeing yeah. is uh, two years is just uh, to me outrageous. But I think I'll make that the last thing that I'll really go into. Okay. And then I think the idea that the determination would be just determinative at the committee level, we really have to have a strong set of criteria, criteria. that make it clear that these cases are, you know, very easily decidable by a few people. That 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 um chart that's now in the Excel, it, it it's a it's sort of an improved chart. I think that chart, having that and having it, like as a, like, being able to run with that chart, it's almost like we could have either this committee or whoever else is involved, you know, basically in on the chart, looking at what's going on, looking at what's going on in this month, et cetera. And um, everything is gonna like be documented on that chart. And at some point it just gets, I think much more efficient where you're running off the chart and using the chart. So uh, that that helps to know that, it that's a way that everyone who's involved is sort of like got a common common factor you know the chart itself where they they can kind of input something then someone can go back to the chart and see it as opposed to you know waiting to see what a file is going to look like having that chart is possibly going to be integral to any kind of better system than what we have right now can i just ask what is on the chart like, what are the data fields on the chart? Information. The chart is a forward tracker to understand where an item 
will be going next or what we are waiting on for additional information on. Um, so it's a capture of the status of a complaint. There, there's the opportunity to add additional fields. Um, for example, um, multiple cases by the same petitioner, if that is useful to you. There was also interest in understanding the time that had elapsed between actions. Um, that's information that I'll need to discuss um, with Victor Young to understand what's needed. That is information that can be added. If you have ideas about metrics that you would like, um, we can provide what we can. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at the fields here. I and mean, one of the things that I think is interesting is I tried to create a chart that was a little bit similar when I was doing the annual report where I was just trying to look at the dates, like where when a case was filed, when it went to a committee, when it went to the next committee, what its progression was through the task force until it reached its decision by the full task force. Because I was trying to chart out like, Here's day 1 of the case. Okay. It was heard, you know, 100 days later in a committee and then 50 days later in another committee and then by the task force 50 days later. And therefore it's been in the system for like 200 days or whatever it is. So I think it would be really useful to have. The dates at which it goes to different committees, so we can track, like, how long is it before we, it actually gets resolved and what are the different you know, places it went, but it looks like it's, that's mostly here. Yes, that was a five year look back um, on actions. The ones that are in the system right now. The ones yeah. that are the in, ones the that are in the system now. Because some of them went to multiple different committees and were heard in committee more than once. I was trying to look at how many times was a case in a committee to be heard, right? Mm -hmm. And how many days in between, you know, just what was the full time period that it was in the system before it finally got decided determinatively, usually by the full, well, almost always by the full SOTF. Um, so that would be great to have that too, because that data can then just be imported into, you know, used in our annual report too, to understand how long is it taking on average to process all of these cases? How many times are they going before committees? How many committee hearings have they had versus how many SOTF hearings have they had? Um, I think that's, you know, cause that's kind of what one of the things we're trying to do here is just make it more efficient. Like, does it really need to be, you know, going in front of committee five times over a 200 day period? Or is there some way to kind of, um, you know, just make the process more efficient so we can process it in the 45 day period specified in the sunshine ordinance? Like the Cicero case. And yeah. How many times is that? Yeah. Been before committee? Yeah, I mean, there were some cases that went like five, six times. Yeah. Yeah. All cases went at least twice because they went to a committee and then they went to the full task force and then some had a huge spread in terms of the number of days between when it was brought as a complaint to when it finally got decided by the task force. Some were shorter, some were longer, but I thought it was important to know that since we weren't really meeting the, the goals met by the or set by the ordinance. So if that can be incorporated in the chart, then I wouldn't have to, or someone doing an annual report wouldn't have to reconstruct. It was kind of painstaking to reconstruct it. So. Well, I can say, yeah, I can say, excuse me, from just 
uh, doing the work and keeping the complaint chart that we have, um, that I think we're kind of winding down on this uh, cloud we've had over us of um, having had the the pandemic and we couldn't meet for six months. And I really think that we're closing in on those numbers. Um, and I say that because, I, you know, as you look at the September agenda and the October agenda, those are cases that are newer. Um, well, some of them are, um, but we're really closing. 2018 is done. 2019 is pretty much done. We've uh, closed out several of those cases because we're not hearing from petitioners. Yeah. You know, and that's a problem too. Yeah. You know, I would just love to have an easy way to show how, like numerically, how we're how we're closing in on meeting the time requirements too. What Pat suggested also that um, uh, a graphic, you know, that would have, but the different colors of, of will you explain it? An infographic <laughs> of some sort? <laughs> Using a graphic too explain um, what we've seen in the last five years. So, for example, taking the table that was provided in the um, most recent administrator's report and looking at data over five years, just looking at a comparison for each committee, how long or what has increased in the number of cases um, year over year, just as a discussion point to see what has changed, perhaps to be able to compare it to the change in uh, the momentary pause of meetings being held. See if there is a seasonality that we can identify from the data and then use that to inform us about possible projections about number of cases that would need to be heard, um, how many cases would need to be processed, understanding what the data can tell us. Not at that point yet? Yeah, I think that'd be great because, you know, one of the things I, I found when I did the annual report is we really only decided 45 cases last year. And, you know, if we were to get really on top of things, if we got rid of our backlog and we were just trying to process new things that came in year by year, you know, this year so far, we've had like 55 cases or something like that. So already more than we, than we processed last year. So if, if our aim is to get everything through in a really timely fashion, um, it, it is good to know, like, you know, where are these cases? What is the trend? What can we predict? Can we predict that we're still going to have more cases than we can resolve if we continue with our current process? And if so, what do we need to change about the process to, to fix that? Yeah, it, I mean, in, in a way, like, the effectively, the members of this task force do not consider themselves to be under any deadlines, I think, in effect, because, you know, we can look at a case that goes back to 2020, 2019, and we could say, well, that's too bad. You know, that's, that's really, you know, like, God, that's all, but, but like, nobody's got any, any parameter like to figure out well when's it too late you know and there's so there's there could be a better system where like something 
whether it's a real deadline or not, there were deadlines that were in the initial ordinance, uh, but I think that they're not really even, we're not even really close to them, but I'm, I'm just kind of like saying what I've said before. Yeah, just about the, the speed of things. That's my grievance. Well, I'm glad you guys are doing this. It seems like a really good idea. She came up with the idea for the graph, which was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the graph could be, yeah, yeah, and we could. You can see in color it, what it really looks like. It would be one of those animated ones that like shifts like as the years go by. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I'm going to win. Heat maps and oh my goodness, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't need an animated graph. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, does anyone else have anything you want to add, or should we call it on the item? And um, should we add some public comments? Sure. I'm yeah. Here. Uh, Ms. Cabrera, is there anybody available for public comment? There are currently no attendees. Okay, thank you. All right. Uh, well, it makes for an easier discussion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't worry about we could have said anything we wanted to say and there's nobody listening. Okay, so then we uh, do announcements. Go ahead, Cheryl. Next item. Item number 10 announcements, comments, questions and future agenda items by members of the complaint committee. Okay, I don't know if this is really an announcement, but when I went today to look at the website on how the complaint process works, because I wanted to look at that document. The link from our website to the complaint process document is a dead link. So I just want to mention that. I don't know if that's really an announcement, but I just feel like you need to know that. <laughs> um, and we need to get that link live. Um, and then I just had my comments about like not being able to highlight the PDFs, not being able to search for information through all parts of the PDF. And I hope that we can fix that in future packets. Everybody ready to go to the next one? Item number 11, adjournment. Okay, we'll do adjourn. 929. All in favor? Aye. <laughs> Nine. Oh, man.